Ah! Mama! Mama! <laughs> We made it! What it, what it, what it do <laughs> And we're back. Yeah. Like we never left. You know what's crazy? I actually just flew back from Germany. Um, got in today. I just completely planned, but you'll see where that goes. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Nushi. Roushi's to my left. You dig. And straight ahead of me is an incredible artist, uh, actually a very dear friend of mine. Um, you know, I, I met him, I want to say about a year and a half ago, and we've just we've just had a very uh, honest relationship with one another, and I truly respect his craft, his voice, his sonics, and and the the realms in which he's he's taking his craft, and the depths in which he goes within himself to create uh, an authentic voice. Ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, my brother Nombe is with us. Wow! Wow! What a what an intro! I was like, "Who is he talking about? <laughs> is he here? Is that dude here? Wait, did y'all have another guest coming? Damn! Thank you, thank you for the kind words, man. You were just in Germany recently? No, I was just completely fucking around. <laughs> we're about to take it there. We're about to go there right Damn. now. Um, <laughs> I actually really want to go to Germany. Yeah. Um, I've had multiple friends that have gone, um, and I really want to experience that culture. Yeah. Um, speaking of Germany, uh, it all starts mm. there for you, mm. does it not? Yeah, yeah. Uh, in 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 many ways. I mean, I was born in Germany, okay. uh, a small town called Heidelberg which some Americans know for its university, like a lot of law school, mm. like a lot of international law students and that. Um, but at, at the same time, I mean, my mom's American, you know, like um, she uh, is, uh, yeah, she's a New York native. She's, wow. from, she's from Brooklyn. And so, yeah, it's, it depends. Like saying like it all starts for me. Like I, I came into this world in Germany, but um, even as a child, I was, I was, going back and forth a lot to see my American family. And, Got it. Um, so your dad was German and your mom yeah, was my dad's, oh. my dad's German and my, my mom's American. Um, well, American Caribbean. My grandfather's from Trinidad and Tobago. Mm. So it's like, you know, like Brooklyn, Flatbush. That's an eclectic Caribbean. mix, man. Yeah, you, it's, you, had, it's rare. you must have had a lot of culture around you and like yeah, everything I mean, in that nature growing up. I'd, I'd like to believe so. And it's, I mean, it's a rare combination. I've met one person my entire life that was half German, half Trini. Like, wow. My entire life. It's it's not the kind of people that usually mix or yeah. meet ever. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm, I'm what is considered a citizen born abroad, which just means you're not military, but you're just American who just happened to just be born somewhere. Wow. And, and so I am an American citizen still. Got it. And uh, Donald Trump, you hear that? Yeah, this guy's an American citizen. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> you heard it? He's like, I didn't even know that was possible. It's like, oh, shit, you fucking wait. They foreign. have these that's huge. Born on foreign soil. <laughs> wait, how'd your parents meet? How'd your mom end up uh, in Germany? Oh, so yeah, so that's that's actually a crazy story. My dad was an artist manager, um, he 
completely obsessed with music. He was kind of like the black sheep of my suburban family in Germany where he dropped out of high school, was like, I'm going to be an artist manager. You know, wow. in the, in like the, that young. Yeah, in like the mid 80s, you know what I'm saying? And he was always obsessed with um, funk and soul music. And the part of Germany that I'm from is was occupied by the Americans after Second World War. So there were a lot of like, GIs and, and, and like army bases like wow. stationed there. Mm. So that's like a, a huge part of, of, of the, the the older generation. My dad, you know, he's, he was born in 62. Like that generation like idolized like disco and, 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 mm. and American just black music in general. And um, so he he was just completely infatuated and, and, and he basically started turning my grandfather's workshop uh, into a rehearsal space. Wow. So he had all these people coming in and out. And today it's the same thing. It's hard. Like, you know, rehearsal spaces are expensive. Oh, yeah. You know, and so he had just this constant influx of musicians, like like from regular artists to, to cover bands who were doing Parliament Records or Rick James shit. And was it robust out there during his time, like in in that area, or was it just like what do you mean robust? Just robust in terms of like artistry and artists, in, yeah. in that area, there was yeah, there was a lot going on because this because uh, all the so World War Two was over, right? Mm-hmm. So they were still there up until two years ago to basically make sure the Germans don't go crazy. Wow. So we still had American occupation like in 2010. You know what I'm saying? Just think about that. That's wild. And uh, yeah, so they didn't have shit to do. They were just out here. It became like, it became like a place for all the uh, people who were injured in in, uh, Afghanistan or Iraq. Mm Mm-hmm the main hospital was in Germany. Oh, really? So wow. that, they kind of made it like a checkpoint. And <clears throat> the, yeah, it's it's a huge part of the culture there. Um, but I'm, I'm, what, what I was about to say is that because they have nothing to do, you know, a lot of army, army um, a lot of soldiers also play instruments. Yeah. So all the musicians there started putting on shows and they wow. needed rehearsal spaces. And then they met my dad and it was like, hey, just come stay at my spot. And, um, you know, which drove my grandparents crazy because my dad was just like, you know, this pothead who was just having all these like black dudes stay at his house, yeah. which my grandparents have never seen like a black person <laughs> entire life. You know what I'm saying? Wild. And my grandfather like literally fought for the Nazis. You know oh, what I'm saying? Wow. And he, wow. but he raised wow. him too. And he was like, I mean, it sounds crazy, but you have to imagine he was drafted when he was 14 years old to shoot american planes so there were like six of them operating one of those like airplane uh i don't know how you how you call that um, like turrets it's yeah it's like we in germany we call it flakgeschütz which is a big machine that you need six people to operate one person like aims God. one person oh, loads one person oh, hits shit. fire and he oh, has God. crazy stories man as a 14 year old it's wild because at that young age it's like you don't really know anything other than what you're told. And like in your community, in your culture, you're raised, you can't control your environment. It's like, yeah. when you think about it, it's like people in the South, right? Um, those in the South and the Midwest and these types of areas, like, and even like internationally, like <clears throat> your culture is your surrounding and what you're raised and taught as a yeah. kid. Yeah. It takes experience outside of these bubbles 
to really appreciate the differences amongst us in culture. Oh, 100%. Oh, totally. Totally. And I mean, if you if, if you guys would have met my grandfather, he was one of the or the most humanitarian, philosophical, deep deep people, you know, that that's incredible. That um he would tell stories and you know as a kid you know we always think like oh this is so far away and yeah and war and and, and it's, it becomes very abstract because we haven't lived it yeah but for a 14 year old kid to have to go to a war zone when a lot of their kids have already died mm-hmm. his older brothers all went to war his dad was in world war one and just the horror you know i don't think people realize how many people genuinely resented hitler and were so afraid of of you know of speaking up Obviously, and, yeah, this is essential. and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to excuse it in, in any kind of way. I'm just saying that. No, it's a, it's a totally different perspective. You know, there, yeah. there are people when, when, by the time the war was over, my grandfather just wanted to, just to live, man. He just wanted to, to have a, some kind of work, be able to go to school. And he had missed so much of school that he had to reteach himself chemistry, Latin, all that thing, because Towards the end of the war, Hitler was so desperate that he sent everybody. He sent seventy-year-old people, you know, like <laughs> oh so there God. were no more men left. In like yeah. the fifties, Germany, there were like barely any men. Jesus, and, wow, um, yeah, that's insane. Yeah, man. Yeah, um, the women and uh, the women rebuilt Germany after the war, and uh, that's when they got a lot of uh, immigrants, mainly from Turkey and uh, Italy. And that's why we still, that's our strongest population. Turkey and Italy. Yeah, Turkish. Wow. They're like Mexicans in LA, you know. Wow. um, So I want to say 30% of my close friends growing up were all Turkish. Wow. You know, I grew up with a lot lot of Turkish, a lot of Iranians. I would never think that. This is the crazy part is like. I would never think that. Us being in, in, you know, LA, progressive area, like, you know, we're so uneducated about culture in other countries it's yeah you're damn like, right you think we're so progressive and then you're like wait <clears throat> i have actually no clue what's going on in germany that there's turkish and italian people there I those mean, would be your closest friends yeah or even like you said the perspective of your grandfather we don't think about those types of things but they they definitely exist yeah of course man i mean because they become so abstract yeah yeah definitely Definitely, like, and okay. you're only, you're also only taught one thing. Yeah, like about World mm-hmm. War Two. You're like there were the yeah. Nazis and, and everyone else trying yeah. to kill them. Like, I mean, it's crazy. People also forget we're not that far removed. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right, and right. you know, I, you know, the, the obvious comparison being Trump. But the, the truth is, when people are frustrated, and you can, you know, you can scapegoat, you know. A particular uh, uh, group, or or just just anything, the and just, yeah, and just and just put blame on something. You know that that's just how humans work. You know we're yeah. not we're not. Um, I love watching these uh, uh, lectures uh, by the Stanford professor called uh, Robert Sapolsky, and he like uploads his lectures on human behavioral biology and he really always, i need to check that out oh it's so good so fucking really good. you're yeah, gonna because, have me up all night tonight oh dude it's like oh, he mixes man. he mixes What's his like, name again? uh robert sapolsky. sapolsky i played a show at stanford and i shout him out during the show and then the crowd went wild i was like yo <laughs> who's in robert sapolsky's class and they're like what the fuck <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's cool that i'm doing this you know like all the like psych students and they're just yeah. like whoa but um 
Yeah, but he talks about thinking in categories and how 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 much of our genetics influence our everyday decision making. When you think we have a, a willpower, a freedom to to do whatever you want, but the truth is, we are so locked in to what we see. You know, We're conditioned. Conditioned. Yeah, exactly. And it's so easy. Mm. It can it can be as simple as me showing you a, 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 an image of an Asian guy uh, sweeping the floor three times a week. If I do that for two weeks, you're going to start thinking, man, Asians really like to like sweep, you know, mop floors and shit, oh, you okay. know? Yeah. And it's, it's so easy to like focus the brain on something mm. and, and, and that becomes the standard. And, um, lost my train of thought. What were you talking about? Like the conditioning and human behavior, yeah, yeah, yeah. and um, how and how essentially how all of these things become so abstract, right? Mm. And there's and you're going on on the train of thought of like a Donald Trump or like just different things going yeah. on in communities that influencing people, influencing people, people and it's yeah. but we forget that and and kind of to your point because it, it's it's so beautiful to follow is that especially in culture and society a lot of a lot of these incremental issues and a lot of these uh, a lot of these bigger problems are systemic and it's mm. caused by totally. a multitude of things that have kind of crescendoed mm. over time and and built such a veil mm. over the individual pieces that have led to something it's like life bro it's like we as Literally, it is like, even are an mm. accumulation of all of our experiences. It's like, yes, we can pinpoint t moments of change or times of like, you know, shaking our paradigms. Mm. But the life that we live and the multitude of experiences that we have mm. in our own regions, like I grew up in America, like I would have never thought that... 30% of people were immigrants of Turkey and, and mm. Italy in, in Germany. Like, mm. I literally just saw it as all white. Yeah. yeah. Oh, dude, Germany's one of the most diverse places I've ever been. Wild. And, and it's truly diverse because when I moved to the U.S., I realized, you know, obviously, you know, you, you, you have that, that stigma of it being a melting pot. Yeah. But at the same time, it's very segregated. Mm -hmm. it's, 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 you know, like if you go to New York, like you, you, you see like the neighborhoods, you see the Jamaican neighborhood and then you see like, you know, like a Korean neighborhood and they, everybody kind of sticks together. Yeah. Overall, I'd say it's more intermingled than if you go to like Arkansas or something like that. Yeah. But yeah. people generally like to stick to their own while in Germany, it's literally... You know, I was dating this Albanian girl. My best friend's Filipino. My other best friend's Turkish. Like a true melting makes, pot. It is completely wow. like, you know, like fucking That's a wheel mind of fortune. Fuck. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And I mean, there is a lot, large population of, of, of just, just white people. Yeah. But, um, well, even talking about your father and like how he, you know, embedded himself into uh, U.S. music. And I'm sure, obviously, how he met your mother. Mm. It seems that Germany has that. Um, natural melting pot, more diverse. Because here, things are super segregated. Yeah. Even like interracial relationships. Yeah, like there's people still, still talk about. Yeah, that. I mean, bro, yeah. you've gone through that. Yeah, I've. I mean, yeah, I've gone through that a lot. And my mm. fiance is black. And mm. but in I think European countries, I've never been to Europe. Mm. Um, I would assume they're not like here in the U.S. They probably are more diverse. But I, I don't know. You know. I mean, 
if you think of also geographically where Germany is in Europe, it is probably the most centered. It's like smack dead in the center of Europe with Switzerland, maybe in Austria. Yeah. So y- you kind of pass through it all yeah. the time. Even Everybody's if, commuting through these areas. Yeah, and it's you know it's a just the history is so so interesting with like half of German being Roman at one point, and then the Arabs came, and um, that was more Spain, but so many cultures came through there, and, um, you know, like the, the, the um, like I don't think like the Anglo-Saxons ever came through it, but, you know, like back wild, in, like way right. back in the day, the, the, um, oh, fuck, I'm losing, the actual Germans, mm-hmm. you know, they, they took a very little, if you, if you think about it, over the course of a couple of hundred or thousand years, they, yeah. they're, they, they're, they were not that, big of uh you know uh, uh um colonizing mm. culture mm. um you know my well, last name is german that's wild <laughs> yeah, it's, it's roush yeah, yeah yeah oh yeah i knew a couple of roush back yeah, <laughs> back well, going. and, and I, I think it means like what i've looked it up it means yeah. drunk yeah. Ow. Well, Roush is the 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 the, the state of uh, uh, being Intoxic- intoxicated. Yeah. It's wow. like to, it's yeah. like I had a friend who was uh, in Germany <laughs> for their they're like in college, and he hit me up on Facebook. That's He's so like, funny. "Bro, I'm drunk at a bar, and I just found out your last name means intoxicated." <laughs> That's funny. Bro, I'm so Roush right now. Yeah, <laughs> it's insane. I think it's, but is it used like to to have to have it? Right, Roush is a noun. Okay, it's the, the yeah, Roush. To, yeah. It's like to have Roush. Yeah, yeah. Wow, to have intoxication. Ladies like, and gentlemen, we have well, Roush. You are in mean, it. That's why shit get Roushy. Like, <laughs> that's actually, but yeah. Um. Anyway, sorry. Yeah, to no, 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 I just no. thought that was. It's a funny kind of thing I, I like to bring up with German people because I've heard that. Yeah, of course. And I meet so many people when I talk to them and I'm like, I'm like, oh, where are you from? It's like, oh, I'm German. It's like, wow, me too. You speak it. Oh, no, no, no. My, my great, great grandmother, she like, she came here and I'm like, oh, word. So you're not actually <laughs> German. See, but yeah. they look, you look more German no, than I do. See, I'm not actually German though. He's you know Jewish. Well, okay. No, but it doesn't matter. So my dad was adopted. Okay. But my dad's, wow. so my dad's family is Roush and I think they came yeah. from like, Poland and Austria, like during World War II, came over to Ellis Island yeah. to like New Jersey. Wow, th- that whole like New York thing. Oh shit! But since my dad was adopted, I don't really know where he's from, so I don't really know. I got to do one of those like uh, genealogy, yeah, like, genealogy, mm. whatever test. Yeah, that's yeah. wild. So I really don't know. But anyway, yeah. back back to back to your point. I want I want to go here. I, since we're like literally, we just hit we just hit that little like swoop swap swiggle. Yeah. The swoop, swap, swiggle, lady. I want to know, because I feel like it's very formative and it's really kind of developed you into the person that you are. Let's take it back to your mom and dad meeting. Yeah, I was. that's what I was going to say. Let's exactly. go. True. Um, but because, of, so my dad became an artist manager, ended up signing or, or basically managing one of the artists that came through the crib. Um, crazy, ended up, you know, he went through the whole thing, dropping off tapes at clubs, going to labels, that whole thing, and uh, eventually found a producer. They, you know, long story short, they had they ended up having a couple of number one records in in Europe. Wow! 
yeah, crazy. Like being flown out to to US to meet Clive Davis, and he was going <sighs> to sign them. Um, it was it was big. And if you if you ask people in their late thirties from Europe, they all still know who that artist was. You know? Wow. Um, but that was yeah, it was a, it was a really crazy time. And basically, they were shooting music video in the UK, and my mom was a fashion model in Milan at the time. Mm. She ran away from home, from, from where she lived in Brooklyn when she was about 15, started uh, waitressing in, in Manhattan and uh, tried modeling. But at the time in the US, people were like, you know, you know, like early mid eighties, people were like into the you know Afrocentricity and, and like voluptuous girls with braids, that whole thing. My mom was very skinny, very petite, like not petite but very like tall skinny very african looking like west african and they told her like yo you got to go to europe and she basically like a month later like she met a dude who's like hey you should come to milan i can you know you can stay at my spot a month later she moved to milan and she was 16 wow doesn't speak a word of italian and but she, you know, she made it in her way, you know, like she, she became very successful runway model over there because they really knew how to, like, they really appreciated her type there. Uh, one of, you know, like, you know, she did a cover of uh, Vogue, uh, one of, she was really, yeah, she was one of Armani's favorite models and doing, doing really well. And we, I mean, basically my dad casted her to be in the artist video. Or actually, not my dad. Uh, Ashley Newton casted her. You guys know who Ashley Newton is. No. So Ashley Newton, currently president of Capitol Records, oh. formerly president of Columbia, and he had just dropped an A and R job to start his own label. Everybody, you know, everybody's like in their mid twenties at this wow. point. My mom's like nineteen. Uh, he just started his label, signed my dad's artist. That's like his first artist. And wow. he he hired her for the video, and they shot it in the UK at the time. My dad was living there part of the year just because they, they were working on an album there and that whole thing. And he 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 saw her on the set, and he told Ash, he's like, "Man, I gotta I gotta have her. This is she's like the most beautiful one I've ever seen." And Ashley was just, you know, he's he's funny British. He said, "Oh, if you do that, I put my pants down in Piccadilly Circus, blah blah blah." <laughs> and my dad was like, "Well, we'll see." And my dad told me this story my whole life, and he he told me a lot. It, it taught me a lot about how how to get the girl, which is for three days of shooting, he did not acknowledge her whatsoever. Yeah, which drove my mom crazy. You know, like she she's used to guys being all over. And um, the last day of set, like she, you know, they we wrapped it. She went and you know they got a limo for her, and she was she was about to dip, and he just jumped in the car with her. I was like, listen, I can't let you go. We're going on a date. And she was just first. She was offended, but then you know, a year later, I come. I you know, I pop out. Then Ashley pull his pants down and pick it at least. He did not. And I had a meeting with him a few years ago. I was like, "Yo," because he was like, "Face." He was like, "Man, this is crazy." Because like seeing this kid wow. be like twenty three now, and he's a musician coming to his office, being like, "Yo, I'm the next Pharrell." He was just like, "Wow," you know what I'm saying? and. It's so funny, but after that, my dad quit the business because it was it got so crazy. You know, like his artist, it was it took so much to break that artist, and then he was not the type of guy that can sustain that. He was just not. 
with it. You know, like he got caught up into the whole, you know, drugs, women, not showing up the interviews, just being, you know, trying to look more like an artist, like we were saying, like we were talking about earlier. Right, right. And that crushed my dad. And at that time, you know, like it was, you you know, you, you guys know, know how it is. I mean, even when you have a song that's performing well, it's not like you got a check in the mail then and there. You no, know what I'm saying? No, no, no. It's and a grind, bro. It's a grind. So and he especially was, on a management end because you're getting a piece oh, of that grind. Yeah. And that's why that's why I really I, I sympathize with managers a lot because I always say it's the hardest job in the business because you are working effortlessly on someone else's career. And and there are no guarantees, you know. Not there's and and if the artist flakes, if the artist feels like you know you're not getting him the right look, they'll just they'll fire you. You know, you know, like that's that's the reality like, of it. I feel like that's a big reason why it's very predatory in the music game. Mm. When you think about artists and managers in general, it's like it's one of those things <clears throat> in this industry where it's like executives now are like, look, you're gonna get fucked on your first go. Just know yeah. that. Yeah. If you make it past it, yeah. then you'll be fine, right? <laughs> yeah. And then and then you have the managers that come to a point where their women scorned, yeah. right? Where it's like they've been left by 17 different artists, so mm. then the contract for the next one becomes super predatory. Like, all right, well, look, I'm going to take 20% gross, this, that, the other. I'm going to take everything, because, and you're not leaving me, yeah. dude. Right? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. it becomes the artist... That if they are able to stand the test of time, right, and then they've had to go through so much, and then they're starting to bring up artists and they want to do it, right, mm. they're becoming predatory labels. Yeah. And it's just like this fucking cycle of, like, we're all getting fucked here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because it's, like, it's, it's, a, it's a trip. Yeah. It's really, it's really a trip. It's such a crazy business model, and the, and the, I, you know, the, the, the standard, quote unquote, standard is a fucked up model. Yeah. So, it's, it's, it's no, it's an industry like no other. And my dad, you know, having just had me and th- things just weren't working out with my mom, and you know, they split up when I was about a year and a half. Mm. So my mom moved back to Milan, and she was just, you know she was just over Germany and the whole, you know, like at the time, like the like early nineties, people were like still very ignorant, like yeah. super racist. I mean, people are still super ignorant yeah. and racist. Uh, I'm not even going to say it or not, but it was just that kind of thing where people would, you know, call it was uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable. They would just like assume that she's just like this, 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 this bimbo from the jungle. You know what I'm saying? And, mm. and my mom was not used to that. Like they treated her like, like a queen in Milan, you know, it was just like, that kind of thing. So she went back to that and really lived in Italy till I was about 10. Wow. And I would go back and forth between Germany and Italy. How was that for you growing up? It was interesting. It was, I didn't realize till later how much it gave me because I was always so frustrated over the fact that my parents were broken up because you know, now now to millennials, that's not a new thing. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. I was the first out of any kid that I, that I knew that had divorced parents. And wow. I remember I remember having explained that to other kids Ugh. and saying oh, the word divorce. Would, would, I would just be like, man, fuck, why, don't, why can't they just, you know, figure it out? Like mm. the way kids, kids think. And then later, way later when I got 12, 13, all my friends' parents started breaking up. Oh, wow. But 
as a as a two three year old it was it was hard for both of them you know me constantly asking where they are because it's not like your mom's up the street it's like oh your mom's in italy uh uh, being a model and i'm just like well why you know you're just like you don't get it and my dad would drive uh like you know every vacation he would you know um he would drive me across the border through switzerland drop me off for like three weeks and now be in Italy and that was it wasn't it wasn't really vacation it was just life with mom you know yeah. so and that's been pretty much all my vacations in or you know like uh, uh, in terms of getting breaks from school it was never like hey we're going to like uh, Australia yeah going to like I don't know Cancun or something it was just <laughs> yeah. like fucking now you're living with, with with this person and my mom had her life you know like she had you know, uh, uh, a boyfriend who who I actually I really really cared for, and he was he was a great guy. But it was it was stressful. It was very stressful, you know, like going to auditions and the runarounds and being you know like late night photo shoots. And I just got like all my toys and I'm falling asleep, like playing with the makeup artist. And that was just for years. That was the life. And my dad was very very just uh financially and not doing well you mm. know and he had to move back in with with his parents and and that's how i ended up at my grandparents house oh, wow how old were you during this time i was i mean pretty much pretty soon like from the time i was two all the way till i moved to the u.s i was i stayed with my grandparents wow two to 19 what was that like for you with, with the, the, such a dichotomy like your mom is in milan is mm. a, a very you know, is is a working and successful model, right? Mm. Revered mm. in that community that she's in. Totally. Your father, I'm assuming he went and started working a normal job. Yeah. I mean, uh, many, many, many more. <laughs> yeah. He went that yeah. that route. Yeah. But he also had a son. Was that like a, um, a decision made because, look, I have a young son. I can't. Take yeah. his chance anymore. Yeah, that's we had it. I can't take this shot anymore. I mean, he tried other business ventures, but n- n- most of them failed. And I, I want to say, uh, he didn't quite stop with music. Like he started producing other artists. Yeah, um, but it was always something. It was always like the record made it to radio, but then they missed. You know, putting the CDs in stores and people couldn't buy it. And that was a time where that still mattered. Right, you know what I'm right, saying? right. So. He, I mean, he did. He started fashion labels. He started working at UPS, like packaging at night, and wow. you know, and he started selling, like becoming like a how you say, like door to door salesman. Like he started working for like a, a mattress company. He's like selling mattresses and like all kinds of odd jobs. You know, like mm. he probably started five or six businesses that you know, just when he started doing well, like you know everything fizzled and, and kind of crumbled <laughs> like he he literally lost everything about five or six times wow. by the time i was 12 <laughs> which which but here get this the crazy part is he is such a incredible multitasking mind that any position you put him in he improves what's going on mm. he's like very very sharp very charismatic very good salesperson um and I think most of it always failed because he was trusting other people too much mm. to to do things that he should have double double checked. You know? Absolutely, and um, that's life. 
that's it's real and and i always man my my dad was always like a superhero to me growing up and uh both of my parents i mean incredible incredible but the crazy part is when i was when i turned about 12 13 he got a, a big he worked his way up in like a big management firm and oh next thing i know he's driving a porsche and he's just like buying expensive watches and wearing a suit every day and i'm like what the fuck is going on wow so is he still at grandma's group uh no no no. he okay. moved out at that point he okay. got a, he renovated a loft and then i started you know that was like in my teens i started having parties at his loft and people Wild. were like your dad is sick man and i'm like what does your dad do and i was always like i actually don't really know <laughs> like <laughs> it was bizarre <laughs> so like for like five six years he was doing really really well and you never you never you never asked him I mean, I knew kind of what he did. I mean, he did like logistics. He was like managing a lot, like 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 building out the infrastructure of a, of a business. Got it. And uh, uh, yeah, and he was just like a, a great guy. Like he kept getting promoted, and and but it, he hated it. You know, it was yeah. like one of those things. He because he, he's an artist at heart. You know, mm. and um, but he was good at it. He was just yeah. He was a, really a victim of of his his success, and. Uh, Seven years of that, he was just like a burnt out corporate manager dude who just dropped it completely. And then we had to start from scratch. And he was riding a bicycle, you know, Wild. started riding a bicycle. And then he started working at UPS at night. Oh. It's bizarre. Very what, was, what was like that bizarre. for you going on those like rides of up and ups and downs? I mean, what, did you feel it like as a teen or you're just like, oh, this is just the natural flow of things? Or? Nah, I felt it. But because only because I I love my parents, you know, I'm 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 very empathetic and I just wanted them to be happy and, and do well for them. Yeah, because I was always an easy kid. I never yeah. needed, you know, like like Game Boys and and, and, and and PlayStation and shit. You know, I was always like I had a lot of imagination mm-hmm. and I just wish that both of my parents would have followed their passion from the get mm. the, the way i'm doing which i'm blessed enough to do it because they did what yeah. they did but this, but at the same time <clears throat> my dad is an extraordinary painter my mom's is an extraordinary writer wow but they never had they never let themselves do that because they always got caught up in the chase and always the social how do people what do people think of me it's they brutal always, bro. they always wanted to play up here right yeah. away and but you don't realize that you're the puppet Yes. And you're a puppet to something that's completely out of your control, right? Yeah. Imagine, and, and this is like, you know, I hit my rock bottom w- with that mind state, you know what I'm yeah, saying? And then when I course. came out of that mind state was when I was able to to really just take hold of my life, right? Whatever it became, I took ownership of it. Mm. But like, I was really, I was good at what I did, but I was beholden to like, well, they see me as the music guy or yeah. knew she gets it done and they're counting on Nushi, right? Yeah, yeah. And I'm dead broke, just like all these things, but I'm bound, right, wow. by the perception of others. And who really knows if people have time to think about you like that? You're just bound by how yeah. you think others are thinking of you, yeah. right? And it's a, that's a brutal uh, mind state to be in, and that's a brutal way which always ends in failure to to actualize any any semblance of individuality within oneself yeah um speaking on those things right and and we got up to that point i want to take it back because i truly feel like take it back take it back 
Um, I truly feel like um, your being is, and 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 the fact that you're empathetic, and the fact that you your your parents are such different people, mm-hmm. right? Um, how was that growing up for you as a youth in being able to understand that there was something different with your parents and that? you know, mom and dad weren't there and being, especially at that time at a young age where it was like everybody's parents were together. So it was like obvious that something was very different, Mm -hmm. right? And then on the same token, like growing up as an interracial kid Mm -hmm. in Germany. Yeah. Uh, It came in waves. It was just very, uh, I don't you know, like as a kid, you're not aware of your race till yes. till, till you're like yes. five or six, absolutely. Like that. And uh, I always knew I had a beautiful mother. I always was was you know secretly kind of proud of that. And, yeah. And um, all the other kids, when my mom came to visit, it was like exciting. You know, it was like, no, his mom's coming. I, I've seen her once. Blah blah blah. Yeah, but you, you know, because sure. she would always come and make it a thing. She would come to school come to my class and take me out of class. She would like stick her head in and be like, Noah, like come, let's go. And all the kids were like, oh, that's Noah's mom. Wow. You know, so that was like super exciting. Wow. And that was like the greatest for me. And um, and I only got to see her like three times a year. You know, wow. Maybe, you know. So that that's was always. Wild. Yeah, that was always an event. And she would like, you know, she would bring toys and like all this stuff. So it, that was cool. But at the same time, I I pay for it by not having her at home and mm. not you know on Mother's Day we're all making cards and it's mm. just like that that whole thing. <laughs> that yeah. thing. I'm not trying to sound like a no, sad I, movie and shit, but <laughs> but it's, it's that's it's what strange. it was. That's, Mother, Mother Day <laughs> exactly. And uh, growing up, you know, on the inter interracial thing, it was it was interesting because. Everybody, everybody, honestly, everybody really loved me so much that I never felt, I very rarely felt like people would resent me based on my colors. That was later. That was more when when society got to people. Mm. And then they, they're like, hey, you know what that person's called? That's called a nigger. That's what you should call wow. them. You know, and that's what like a kid, if a kid hears that and repeats that. And, and that's in Germany and Italy? Yeah, well, Germany? yeah, Germany for the most part. Oh, and, wow. But before that, kids, you know, we're all playing, we're all pirates, we're all fucking uh, yeah, cowboys yeah. and yeah. shit. And then you get to a certain age when kids want to test you, and then it becomes like, oh, but where you're from? Oh, but you're not really German. And 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 that was more frustrating to me. But I had a very happy childhood, you know. Uh, in 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 all honesty, you know, and. Uh, I became more aware of of my color through through older kids, you know that it was a young age for me. I think I was about seven or eight. Yeah. When somebody called me the N word, but that wow. was an older kid. That was Got like it. a fifteen year old. Got it. Who would just like wanted to throw a dagger out? Yeah, yeah, like literally, you know, like and but that was the kind of thing where I would always I would run home to my grandma and be like, "Yo, this kid called me that. What is what does that mean?" And my grandma was like, whoa, hold up. Mm-hmm. Let me call this kid's dad up. Oh, wow. And, you know, and like, grandma put her foot yeah. down. Oh, dude. Yo. My, dude, my parents. My grandma parents, said, wait, what? what? Who? Yeah. They always have my back, bro. 
And the next day, it's the kind of thing the kid shows up. It's like, I'm really sorry that I called <laughs> you. Fucking. <laughs> Yo, crazy part. Like, crazy. Like, uh, uh, sidetracking side a little bit. But that kid, he hurt. He, I, I was really upset because he made me very, you know, he, he was real. Like, he took, like, things from me and, like, threw them away. And I was like, well, that's what you get for being fucking a nigger and shit. Wow. And I was just, like, as a 10-year-old, like, you know, like, he broke my bike and shit. You know what I'm saying? So I was like crushed and I didn't understand it. But when I was about 15, he had a house party and he forgot that that happened. That was like, you know, years and years ago. But I remember my, my I was rolling with a really weird crew at the time and we completely destroyed his house. And we like, I mean, it's it's Revenge. it's like 11 years back now so I can <laughs> yeah. say it. Oh, dude, we took watches. We took, like, his parents' cameras. Oh, it was so bad. Wild. Like, my friend peed in his closet. Like, all kinds of shit. It was it like was that so, teenage revenge. It was like that teenage... It was like, I didn't do it because of that. It's just I was okay with it because of that. I was just like, I don't care what happens to this dude. Right. You know, in my mind, I was just like... And that's like when you're in, like, your, like, early teen, rebellious, yeah. I'm socially conscious, and, yeah. you know, like... You know, I felt like the foreigner in my own country kind yeah. of phase. So crazy. I haven't thought about that dude in years. <laughs> so, I mean, That's where we go. We uh, take it. Uh, so crazy. Let me ask you this. As a kid, like, were you surrounded by music? Like, were you surrounded mm. by instruments, these things? All the time. What, what were kind of your dreams as a kid? Like, because as kids, we're always like lightweight dreamers, right? And it's yeah. just like, what what were... What were those kind of thoughts in that like elementary to junior high age? You know, real real talk, one of my earliest memory was me sitting like by the side of some pond with a guitar and a, and a fedora and being like, I'm a musician. Wow. I was like four. Oh, really? I always I always thought I'll be a like... A guitar and a fedora. Or like, or like, or like, or like artists. Of course you were going to be an to artist. Me, to me, the artist in my head was this cool, vague, like this dude who just like sings to people and, and, and just walks like a rolling stone. That's, that's mm. that In my head, I thought I'm going to be a rolling stone, but I didn't know what that word was. Mm. And then... And then you flip flop, you know, like, I, you know, I watched Power Rangers and then I wanted to be a martial artist and then I wanted to be a scientist. And then, you know, I wanted to work for the FBI. Wow. I wanted to be a magician for a while. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> like, I feel you. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, an, an inventor. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I was always going to build a spaceship that takes me to fucking the moon or whatever <laughs> yeah. like that. But my realistic at some point deep down, I knew I had to be realistic. And in my head, I was just like. I want to be a musician. And this is how cool my mom was. I, she Because she would ask me, what do you want to be? And I would spit out all these things. And I was like, well, you know what? You can be it all. You know, if you want to be a person that works for the FBI and solves crimes while writing songs and, 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 and you know, making weird contraptions, you and can be that. Yeah, my mom was always my biggest fan. Wow. Always encouraging. Always being and like, was this like from the onset, or did it did it kind of build as you age and were more able to really like put it together? Uh, you mean whether why she, the way she? No, I'm saying was, or, what, what she, naturally a mother is always uh, yeah. son's biggest fan. But mm, of course, was did, did this become more prevalent as you got older, or was this more of like yes, even even during those three times a year? 
Was it like that? Because early on in your life, it was still early on in her career and her life. So it's like, it's wild for me to think about these things. Like I'm just like picturing it, right? It's yeah. like, as parents, especially parents that are in, in these realms, like I feel like in making an assumption, it's like dad is more at home, you're back with the family, he's going through his ups and mm -hmm. downs, but he's yeah. with the family, dad comes home, you're with grandma and grandpa. Yeah. It's a net, it's a veil of family, yeah. right? In a community in which it's, it's a smaller suburban community, and then you have mom who's in Milan, it's a much more fast-paced life, there's a reason why yeah. she can only come these few yeah, times. It's of like, you don't understand that then, but there's a reason why it's only three times. I'm sure as a mother, she's like, I, I want to be with my son, but of course. as a woman, she's also like, well, I need to build my life. Well, That's and that. she, yo, let's not forget, she had me when she was 19, like wow. barely becoming yeah, yeah. 20. Wow, yeah. So I always tell, you know, I, I always tell my girl, you know, she's 27. I was like, imagine you got an eight-year-old kid right now. Yeah. You know what For I'm saying? For real. Because I saw her as mom, but now I'm thinking, like, I'm 25 now. Like, I was six she, when she was my age. That's how old she was. Crazy. That's fucking crazy. So she was a kid. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And and she did and not. And she left home on her and own. And she left home. And she came, you know, she, you know, she did not have a good childhood. You know, like her... Her parents were, you know, it was the seventies, man. If you had seventies and you have like 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 black immigrant parents, like they they it was just different. People people didn't like cry for you if they beat we beat the shit out of you. You know, nowadays it's different. And don't get me wrong, I mean, I still she's still my black mother from Brooklyn. Like she yeah. had a loose hand as well. Yeah. But it wasn't anything near to how she grew up. You know, it was she was always a very she had a very liberal approach to mm. how I was raised. And and she wanted to make that time count, you know, like the few, the, the little time she had with me, she wanted to make it an experience. Absolutely. Um, hence the toys, hence the popping in. And yeah, of course. Class. And she was fun. I mean, she, you know, she would smoke weed. She would go to the park with me. We'll roll down hills. And, and you know, she was, she was a hippie, kind of, yeah. you know, like all her friends were artists, DJs, and we would watch movies, you know. How was that for you? Did, as, as you started getting older, did you just start sensing that? I started sensing it because when I started smoking weed, I it was so familiar to me. The smell, and then I yeah, and then I realized, oh, that's what they were smoking. Wow. This reminds me of my childhood. Yeah, you know, it was like that. Yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's, like, it's so funny, but you're like, wait, you're like, oh, hmm. yeah. It's funny as kids because you you probably saw your mom smoke a lot, and you're like, oh, maybe did you? See yeah. Her smoke? Oh, yeah. absolutely, and absolutely. You just don't like make that um that concept. I think that's happened to me in movies too. Like mm. where you see a movie as a child, but then, you know, when you're old and you watch that same movie, you're like, oh, they were smoking weed, liking the karate kid yeah. in the bathroom. Wow, you're right. John, Johnny's smoking a joint. And as a kid, you're just like, oh, he's smoking a cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, but it's, it's hilarious. Yeah, yeah, dude. Which, which <laughs> by the way, I mean, my mom was, she was close to like a, like a, a, a chain smoker. In, when I was a kid, yeah, you know, and it took a lot of you know just willpower to be at a point now where she you know barely smokes and she you know she has a little e-cigarette and that whole thing, but mm. uh, she was always smoking a cigarette when I was a kid, mm -hmm. and as a kid, I really I couldn't stand it, not because I mind the smoke, it's just I knew it was bad for you, and I knew my mom was 
doing something that would shorten her life. Mm-hmm. So that that like crushed me. I've been like anti smoking, like very 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 vocal about you know like about not smoking with with my family and and my my social circle, um, bec- because of that you know because even as you know even as a young kid yeah I mean dude. It is what it is, you know, like we're, we're all adults now. But as a kid, I was like, man, my parents are killing themselves with these cigarettes. I used to like cut them up. I used to hide them. Oh, wow. So I used really to like, like, yeah, like flush them down the toilet. And my parents would get very upset with me. But that was the kind of thing where I, I was just not, um, I was just not like compromising, you know. I was I'm just not gonna like, lie. I was that same kid. It's wild. Yeah. Like, it broke my mom's heart to see me smoke a yeah. cigarette. <sighs> Bro. It's wild. Like, yeah. And now she realized, she, I mean, she got through it, but I, mm. I, I was actually really, she caught me like randomly smoking a cigarette. Mm. I mean, this was more so what I was like, because I didn't start smoking until I was like 19. Oh, wow. That's but, actually pretty late. Yeah, but I was I was a kid that literally would like, she'd be with her friends mm. and they'd be on the patio and she'd be like, I've quit, I quit, I quit. And I my room was right above the patio. So I'd be that kid that's like in the sixth, seventh grade. That literally mm. she'd be with her friends, they'd be drinking and shit. Mm. And I go through the blinds, I kinda sneaky, like put two down. <laughs> <laughs> literally put two down, put my eyes out. I'd I'd literally see her moving. She kinda be like looking around and then would grab a cigarette, hit it, and I literally just like straight throw the thing up and bang on the windows. Mm. I saw you. And she'd run in the house. <laughs> she was so affected by it. It's a trip because she was wow. like, you scared the shit out of me. <laughs> to, I, I didn't, it, I knew it was bad. She was like, I just felt so bad that my son felt that way yeah. that I quit. Bro, but the crazy part is about that. You know, kids change and they mimic us. And the way a kid is with these things is so pragmatic, so direct. So like, mm. this is bad for you. And it doesn't enter their mind why someone would do that. But part of me wonders if... If 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 society wasn't already in its full like in full effect, basically bringing kids into something that's already emotion, whether humans would be more like children, if 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 it was kind of, you know, if there was like a parallel universe where kids can grow old not experiencing society as it already is. Take me through the depths of that. I'm I'm just saying like imagine, I mean it's very very hypothetical because. How are you gonna raise it? How are you gonna raise a person without them meeting other people, right? But I'm just saying, why we keep perpetuating the same thing is because we also see it. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? But a kid is is completely. Oh, imagine if the canvas was blank, essentially. Is if what the canvas saying. stayed blank and 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 kind of, I guess like kind of how I don't know, like like how Native Americans but live I feel like or something e- e- like that. Even conceptually, in that regard, right? It's. There's a beauty in the blank canvas and there's such a battle in between experiences and how somebody chooses to see and paint upon this Mm. canvas called life, right? Yeah, of course. But then we get to a point where we really start to think about, well, shit, it's a gift. And I feel like experience and nature versus nurture and all of these things are a gift and a curse because... um, in order to have these ideas, you have to experience things. Yeah. Right? We can't keep this level of purity because that purity just becomes nothingness mm. and not the kind in which you strip back yourselves and you become a Buddhist monk. But that, yeah. that's just pure nothingness. Yeah. Right? Like it's like a caveman. 
yeah. if you will. But like a caveman that doesn't see any dinosaurs. <laughs> it's yeah, just like the yeah. motherfuckers wilding. It's complete, <laughs> you know completely blissful. Yeah, yeah. there's completely. a basket of 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 meat there <laughs> randomly. Fire starts. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But we have to experience these things. And these experiences play such a, a, a significant role in our lives. Yeah. And speaking of these experiences and, 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 and your dreaming as a kid, it's like when you started getting into, how old were you when you moved back to the States or moved to the States? Uh, I was 19. Okay, so. I was 19 for a month. Got it. And, so, wow. and, and this was like right, right after high school? Yeah, I, okay. I, I, I graduated high school the month I turned 19, mm. and the next month I moved to the U.S. The yeah, next, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, his phone's going off. He did the pump fake shimmy. Uh, uh. He did the I pump just wanted to turn shimmy. it off. I didn't don't want worry. to be in the recording. No, but don't worry. Yeah. We're here. We're here. It's, it's real. It's I'm basking in this beautiful tune. <laughs> the, the listeners probably just hear like... T- yeah, they don't hear shit. <laughs> they hear like... We just had to bring it up. Um, oh, hey, yeah, we come back. I, I, you guys hey. got to appreciate the stock ringtone too. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> it's fucking absolutely. I appreciate the guy that made that. He was like, Yo, for real, this bow, melody bow, is, bow, is great. Yeah, he's like, this is great. He's a dude. He's got millions of dollars. <laughs> he's literally like, <laughs> I got it. For he's, real, yeah. The person you have no he's idea. He's got about. curly hair and glasses. His, his name is Rusty or something. <laughs> yeah, he's in his fifties. Rusty McAdams from Poughkeepsie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah it's real okay so middle school to high school another point mm. that like I just mm. want to bring up is when your dad is finally in his stride mm. so you're going it, it's beautiful to me to think about it. you're going into your formative years of mm. adolescence yeah right having gone through experiencing life but also seeing like you're getting it now. Like you're starting to wonder within yourself, like why don't like it becomes more clear. Like okay, mom, dad, like what yeah. what's going on in your lives, right? Okay, dad, <clears throat> you're you're down right now. This, that, and the other, up, down, up, down. But you're a great dad, yeah. mom. You're you're gone a lot of the time, but you're still a great mom. You mm. start. And also, it's more relationships with your peers. Mm. So that time, especially during then, isn't as necessary or thought about, if you will. Correct me if I'm wrong. I'm just making a yeah, bold yeah, yeah. jump off. So, yeah, but, no, no, no. You're very, um, very on. And this is a time in this day and age of yours is where all of these things are accumulated. And now you're the kid with the mm. single white German father. But now he's the cool dad. Mm. And now he's he's well to do for himself, and he hasn't hit a burnout point yet mm. during like the middle school age. So it's just like whoa, like the new Porsche, the suits, just the this, that, the loft, the the mm. remodel, the, the mm. you're starting to have parties at the crib. Yeah. Like, I want to kind of go into who that Noah is during that time and how that kind of shaved him, young gun. Oh, that's so funny. I mean, I've man, I've 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 gone through stages, man, because just like finding your identity for any kid of mixed background is is incredibly uh it's a real journey that age. I completely feel you but Be- I want you to elaborate because on yeah no no I'll, I'll tell you because we were talking earlier how, how I have a lot of family in South Carolina yeah and and at, at some point I was very early on obsessed with hip-hop culture like that mm. was my my thing like I was like b-boying graffiti mm. freestyling and the what, whole, what was the hip-hop whole thing. in Germany like 
Being well, a kid th- in th- that that's a, I mean, that's a strong scene, like the old school backpacker boom bop scene. They they they're just like diehard, like fuck pop, fuck commerce, like that whole thing. And I was really in that, you know, like when I discovered Tribe Called Quest in my early teens and that whole thing. And um, but before that, even. I was just, I was soaking it all in. I was just like, I was like into 50 Cent. And you know, like, you know, when you just listen to everything and Lil John and everything. But then when I turned like 14, 15, like I started appreciating jazz and started getting those records, getting into my dad's records. And, uh, but there was a time for me where I didn't know, I wanted to be hard. You know what I'm saying? I wanted to like wear do-rags and oversized, you know, like, Wear like pink, like long sleeve t shirts and, and and fucking <laughs> Air Forces. You know, what's, what's, you know, like, what's interesting though is you know when you like here in the in the states, as you know, you have people from New York that truly identify with that music because they are living in it, yeah, like living in the state. Like totally. it's, it's it's a part of it, and same with how West Coast hip hip hop yeah. was here. Yeah. All these types of music that originated here. So it's fascinating to me what that translates to in a place like Germany. I'm in the Bay, right, as a first grader, and I'm bumping Pac. Yeah, right? sure. I have no attachment to that, but it's just like, I feel like it's an aspiration just towards like, whoa, this it's like is a role so model. cool. Yeah. But I mean, for me also, I, I, I'm kind of like a, in a weird way, like a diaspora black African-American, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Where I guess it, it's the same kind of feeling that, you know, uh, black people had in, you know, in like the 60s where they're realizing, yo, there's so much culture in Africa. This is what they're keeping from us. This is like reaching far and seeing it and being like, you know, oh, this is this is me. I see myself in that. Mm-hmm. Whatever they told me, this is not actually me. Yeah. So although I, I am half German, there was this thing where I kind of felt culturally like, what was happening was catering to an audience that that I didn't really belong to. It was like this thing where I saw, I saw somebody like, you know, like like Nas or somebody, and I was like, wait, this this is this is kind of he looks like my cousins, you know. This is also me, wow. and I wanted and and it and it was cool, you know. Yeah. It was it it was really like hip hop was really starting to become the thing. Yeah. Absolutely. And especially in those regions too. Like Yeah, so I really embraced that and I was just like, yo, I'm not um <laughs> I'm not uh phone's ringing again. Somebody really wants to talk to me. No, but I was like Joe and I are Yeah, just just I just I just wanted to 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 have that part of me that I considered special to be seen mm. and and be like you know, I'm I'm not just this German suburban kid. I'm also all these things. Yeah. And then I and I just fed into all the cliches. You know, like I thought I had to, you know, like the clothes, like mm-hmm. the Timberland boots, and I was rocking chains, and you know, um, started speaking slang. Although I'm I'm I grew up very. I was raised by my grandparents. Like my German is very proper. You know, like yeah. the, the way I, I I talk to people. Um, so it was it was definitely. It's it's hard to describe because I want to say it was inauthentic, but at the same time, it it was a part of me. Absolutely, you know it was authentic to who you 
felt it you was were. a stage it was a genuine yes. stage in well, your my mom in from my Brooklyn too yeah yeah definitely so, so there, it, there's, a, there's a real tie there it was just a stage in my development yeah, and even as kids it's like it, of course it's a stage it's like mm. yeah. some kids love rock music and, and some kids have hardcore rock and you just see yeah. them like completely emulate yeah. all of these things in 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 those cultures like yeah, i remember yeah. as a kid for me i grew up in hip-hop culture as well i'm a persian kid right yeah and I'd go to school, and when I moved to Orange County in the eighth grade, it's like, oh, why are you trying to be black? Yeah. But I was smart enough to know, like, what the fuck is your ignorant-ass, bitch-ass mind talking about, mm. right? I'm like, I literally would be like, define black to me, then. Yeah. What's black? They're like, oh, you know, uh, you know, all this. And I was like, oh, hip-hop? Is that black? Yeah. And then you'd see these kids just start fumble up, but it's like, we don't know. We just, like... We don't know these. It's like it's not tied to an ethnicity. Yes, it is rooted from an ethnicity. If people really want to look back at it, it's like, is if you like rock, are you are you black too? Because rock came from that side, did it not? Everything came from fucking black music. Yeah, That's I what people don't understand. Yeah, and 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 this is like like yeah. like as a historian, yeah. if, if you're real, of course, yeah. If you if you look at where dubstep came from, where EDM, where house music comes from, Chicago, the kind of the, the the reason that people can dance to a four on the floor, if you listen to Nigerian music, if you listen to, you know, like the oldest recording that you can find, the the, the stomp, the <laughs> that is the root of anything danceable. Yes. And um that is ancient. That yeah. is completely ancient. Yep. And yeah. and and even in the modern world, like there's no rock without without blues, without no. jazz, without spirituals, without you know, with African without African music. There yeah. is no literally mm-hmm. everything except maybe classical music and folk music of of of, of European regions. Yeah, is really black music. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying it as a statement of superiority. No, this is this is no, this is fact. real. Is, yeah, it's so, history, 100%. Yeah. So and that's you know, I mean. When people say black music or urban music, that whole thing, it's at the end of the day, it's a it's music, it's a gift, and it's meant for people to enjoy. Absolutely, and that's what I mean. That's what I love about hip hop culture, that true hip hop culture, that 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 I became immersed in in those in those years. Um, that it was so all inclusive. It was mm-hmm. really just like, were you about positivity? Were you about what 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 the cause is, mm-hmm. or not? I don't yeah. care with your religion, how tall, how old, whatever the fuck. Yeah. Like, we don't care about that. We just want, you know, <coughs> positivity around us. And um, I, I, I soaked it up, man. I was just, I was like, you know, I was part of B Boy Crew. We would travel. We would go to battles. We were, you know, you know, we all had always had our markers, being ready to like tag, and you know, that was, that was us for years and years. And that's how I realize i want to be a producer you know because music was always a huge part of my life i mean you asked me earlier if there was music i mean my mom said that when i was like three or four i started humming melodies that i heard around the house like wow my grandma would always play classical like like everything from Chopin to tchaikovsky beethoven and i would always be whistling it and my mom was like yo he he has an ear for music you guys got to give him you guys got to give him music lessons and at first, my family was like, oh, let's wait. Let's see when he gets older. And my mom was like, no, this is, there's no other kid that hums Beethoven in the crib, you know? Yeah. And um, 
I was blessed enough when I was like five or six years old. They uh, put me into like a, a class, like a music class. And then when I was when I was five, and then when I was six, I started private piano tutoring. Oh wow! Which which I was man, I I I feel so blessed for that man. It took my grandfather about twelve years to pay off the piano we had in our house. Oh wow! And really? So by the time our piano was ours, I was playing concerts and and you know doing recitals so you're classically trained piano player. yeah that's my first like whoa that's incredible instrument and um and you knew the value of that piano like even outside of an outlet yeah i mean i i was just i loved it i didn't like the class i didn't like practicing in the classes i just loved i just love creating music i just mm. love writing like i think I started playing with piano when I was six. By the time I was seven, I was making my own little things. Because really? I didn't really care that much about repeating. Do you think that's kind things. of a rare thing? Because especially for kids who take piano lessons, I feel sometimes it's more common for hmm. classically trained musicians to not actually be as creative, but more just stunning players who play these amazing, magnificent pieces better than the originators themselves. I mean, do yeah. you th do you think like in your case, it was more of a rare thing, it, or a unique thing that, I mean, that happened to you? I couldn't say, but judging by the other kids that played, I was one, if not the most uh, proactive about about making my own compositions. So mm. I don't know if that's so, if, so if there's a general statistic, but I always I always suck reading sheet. <laughs> I always hated it. Uh, I always played by ear, and then I would pretend to play, and then my teacher would be like, "Wait, did you did you actually read that, or or, or did you memorize it?" And <laughs> well, she I did would the get, same shit in college, dude. Yeah, and wow. I, I I've heard that story a lot. You, and you memorize it, and then you just stare at the paper, but you play it from memory. <laughs> like yeah, you fake like you read it. That's a, that's a thing. A thing. And um, and years of that back and forth, and my piano teacher, she was Russian, she was very like very uh, rigid. rigid, and she was like. All right, this is what I'm going to do. You don't like playing sheet. I don't like watching you like torture yourself with sheet. <laughs> I'm going to teach you how to improvise. Wow. I'm going to teach you how to write songs. And and any song that you want to learn, I'm going to play it and you'll repeat it until you know it. I'm like, That's cool. an incredible teacher, wow. bro. It's incredible, but wow. I never learned how to properly read sheet. You know what I'm saying? Which I wish I did. I don't really need it. But the musician in me now wants to be able to sit down and play like some Ahmad Jamal or something or or, or uh, Oscar Peterson. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? I mean, Oscar Peterson is probably would be over my head anyways. But <laughs> it's uh, you know, it, it, it's a double double edged sword. I, I, because I, get, I get that nostalgia of it. It's like mm. even for me, it's like for me, it's like with Farsi, right? Like yeah. I grew up. Damn, you go to dance. This is the soundtrack of the evening, though. Oh yeah, I'm gonna have to flip this into a beat. For real, shout out Rick to shout out to Rick McDonald uh, from <laughs> that composed this glorious ringtone. Oh, uh, dude, I talk, I have to use the bathroom. Go ahead, yeah. you golden. Damn. And we're back. And we're back. <laughs> yeah. So when talking about piano lessons, it's it's just you know we were saying. Teachers can be so formal, especially yeah. with when you're a young kid, you know, four, five, six. You're 
in, in like this locked regimented routine. Yeah. And I feel the standard is that teachers don't allow you or want you to be creative. They want you to kind of follow the strict rules so you can get down the technique, get down the sight reading and be very traditional. Yeah. Um, but your teacher was an anomaly of that. I'm just, you know, like, I mean, about me, I'm very, I try to, I try to give people what they want, but at the same time, if, if I don't get what I want, I, it can bottle up inside me and then I get upset. So even as a young kid, yeah, even as a young kid, like there, there was no way, if I think back now, there really was no way to force me to learn that, Mm. you know, that really has to come from me. Mm. Um, That's special to have that too, though. Well, I mean, it's, it's, it's for me, it's weird. It must be something like, I don't know, in my star sign or something, but I'm always the guy if like, people are like, Hey man, let's get food. Like, what do you want to eat? Like, I know what I want to eat, but I'm a cater to you. Mm-hmm. But then, if you don't pick what I want to eat, I'm gonna be all pouty. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'd be mean, like, "What's wrong guy. with Noah?" It's like Noah wanted pizza, but he didn't speak up. <laughs> so you know you're that saying? guy. <laughs> or, or I'll be like, "I want pizza, but we can get what you want to do." Yeah. What you want to get? And then that's like, a lot better. That's this guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> it's fucked up, but I got I got to be honest. You know, like <laughs> I respect that. <laughs> Hey, no, what you want to eat, man? Whatever y'all want. All right, yo, there's this dope Thai place. Oh, Thai, all right. <laughs> y'all would, y'all would, oh, yeah. I mean, we could. Like, oh, like, my like, God. Like, offended, but hella, like. This is so me. Thai, huh? Oh, man. I, I mean, <laughs> I mean, if that's what y'all want. I'm, Dude. I mean, we could do Thai. Like, literally speaking as if you offended him and literally slapped Damn. the choice out. Like, bro, Thai? That's dope, but what, what that sushi, though? <laughs> like, what about sushi? Like, but I feel this this was a for you it was a really cool moment to hear about that teacher and yeah. um for her to inspire that and allow you mm. to see that part she was amazing she put on improvisation contests for the kids wow she put on uh uh, uh um composition contests and like oh, so local she knew the separation then she understood it but I was also I was one of her fir- one of her first students when she came to Germany herself. So like I was like one of her first like five students and it, I mean that was like 20 years ago, you know what I'm saying? And yeah. and so th- then she realized that some kids are just like that, you know, you can't be so rigid and she tried to make it fun for them and put on That's plays. That's an incredible teacher in yeah. the essence of what a teacher really should yeah, is. Yes, absolutely. I mean she's phenomenal. She's phenomenal still like a, a, a great friend of mine and you know every time i go back i pop in and like wow. you know come to like it's that deep things yeah definitely i mean we, we i mean we did plays together you know like she had me out here being otello and shakespeare and shit like i i put on russian plays i had to learn russian poetry mm. wow which which i still wait when the fuck was this i mean that was when i was like 12 like Push Alexander Pushkin, I used to I used to have to do his poem Yavaz Lubil. Yavaz Lubil Bolfitchobit Mojet Dushemaya Gazlan. That's so lit. Get it, bro. You wanna go full length? Let's rock. Dude, it's one of the most and it's funny, he's the most famous Russian poet. This is his most famous piece of literature. And he was mixed. And that's why I was him in, in the plays. Because wow. he was black, he was more in Arabic. 
bad, but his his mom was Russian, I think. Wow. And so he's the greatest Russian poet, right? And he looked like me. And um, even Russians don't notice, by the way. A lot of them don't notice. Really? Yeah, because I mean, Russian Russians are can be some is can be pretty xenophobic as well. Yes. And that's the it's bizarre, but I had to learn it, and somehow I still I still know it. And over the years, I used it to pick up Russian girls. I'll be just like. You know, like they'll be made up. They'll be like, "Oh, I'm Russian." I'm like, "Oh, really? No Pushkin? How do you know Pushkin?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yeah, I was a little bit of Wolfert Scholl, a bit more." Oh, how you know that? Yo. It's my poem. My dad used to read me this poem. I'm like, "Really? Wow, that's crazy." Great man. Great man. <laughs> Good taste, <laughs> bro. That shit. Like, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. That's like you're blowing people's minds with I that. I respect that, <laughs> and you're knowingly blowing yeah. it. It's At so least funny. it's not food. It's food of a different type, and you're not going to be pouty. He's like, yo, I want the Russian one. Yo, I'm going to send you a photo, like, this week where I'm wearing a blazer and a top hat, and, and, a, and I'm wearing a, a, a bow tie. I'm about 12 years old. I'm weighing about 290 because I was a very heavy kid. Whoa, hold the fuck up. And hey, no, there's, no way <laughs> yo. you, there's no way you're going to weigh about, like... You're gonna like, brush over the. Put it, put it back. No, there's no way you're gonna just like brush over the 290 at fucking. 290. Yeah, dude. I mean, you were big. Growing no, up with grandma were, comes with a price. Excuse me. You were big pun at 12. Yeah, oh, I was heavy, bro. Really? I was heavy. I mean, we're we're gonna get to that too, but I, I, I just well, love to better, eat. Dog. You were, I love it when you call me big pop, uh, dude. <laughs> I, <laughs> I love to eat. Still love to eat. Love yeah. to cook. You know what I'm saying? But. Right around that age, you know, I started, you know, I grew a lot. I was always a big kid. Yeah. And I got into dancing. I got mm. into, you know, I started running. I started boxing. And, and that was like the only sport that I really became ambitious about because I always, you know, I, I was never team sport kind of guy. Like I always got in, yeah, got into weird fights with people. And I never liked being at the mercy of, 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 of so many other people. Mm. You know, I like being like, yo, I do the work. And 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 this is I pay for it. This is work. the result. For oh, you, if I fail, it's on me. You know, oh, I don't wow. want. I hate blaming other people for shit like that. Um, but yeah, I can, I can, I can send you a photo. It's I would so love funny. That. It's I, so I honestly funny. Would literally get a fucking print of that and put it in my room. <laughs> Bro, it was so funny, but but that's also like that's also like imagine this kid, this chubby kid, citing Russian poetry, yo, and playing playing yeah. piano, like and like the girls, like I was like super sensitive, you know, like I I was just like I I wrote poetry and like all the girl that I was in love with never knew and and she was always into the jock types, yeah. like I was that kid, but like. Always hiding in humor because I was I was insecure about my weight, mm. so I would always crack jokes. I was always a class clown doing voices. Man, I would never silly. get that, dude. I would never yeah, get that dude. From you. I was a total class clown, like doing impressions all the time. Like I, I still am, I still am. But uh, it takes it takes me a while to open up in that kind of way. Absolutely. You well, know? What do you think that is? Uh. I I just I'm just reserved at first. I like to get to know a person first. I observe. And then when I get comfortable, you know, I just got more serious, man, honestly. Like, as I grew up, I got more serious about people, you know, that I meet and people, the way people see me. Yeah. You know, enter a room and that kind of thing. And I just kind of, 
um also just friends certain friends certain crowds mm. you know boxing and that that time of my life i just went from being super goofy upbeat to a bit more heavy more serious mm. started listening to mop deep you know what i'm I saying and it was definitely a quiet storm yeah and then and then i moved to us and it like the whole like it got so crazy to me just like crashing on couches all the time almost being homeless that like life happened you know what i'm saying and mm, then as and it, it does yeah and then it's like but when i'm in a good place like you I, I get super goofy but a lot of times i'm in my head because i'm i'm thinking about career shit and i'm always like it's just like it never stops you know mm -hmm. so uh it takes me a minute to like calm down and be just like you it know. makes sense though because you take ownership of what you do yeah. Right? And it's complete onus. And, and in a world that you're in now, right, that's the most important thing that one could ever have. Mm. Because, again, like taking it back to your father and mm. you feeling that, you know, the reason for such a brilliant man mm. to have lost it all and had everything ripped from him like multi multiple times, right? But then also reach a management position where he thrived and he was. His character was destined to thrive, but in especially in this music business, if you're truly reliant on others, you're going to lose. Yeah. It's, like it's crazy. E even yeah. even when you have the most powerful of people around you, it becomes. And we were talking a little bit about this earlier, um, which we'll get to uh, in more in depth uh, in a little bit. But mm. the concept of even even when you have even when the team is in place and you have them. If, mm. if you're at the whims of what others want you to become and you have no solid voice and you don't put the work in to stand by a voice in which you may have, you're fucked. Bro, you can have everything and, and it can be just like a slight character flaw that will fuck it up. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I've, I've seen it. I notice it in my, within myself yeah. where it's like, okay, we got the management. We got the music. You know what I'm saying we're performing. We got agents. We got you know, you know, connections. Whatever you think you need in this business, and then it's just like, you know, like you have artists that just like one day is like, I don't want to get out of bed today. I feel like everything is caving in on me or some mm -hmm. shit. Or like you're just like people scrap. I've seen, you know, um, artists like like I don't want to name drop but like, no like big, bigger bigger artist friends of mine yeah. that like scrap two albums before they feel good about the third and A&Rs are like tearing their hairs out and like fucking just and I'm just like how the hell do you do that this album is amazing no no I just not who I want to yeah. be this is not who I want to be in two years I'm like who gives a fuck this yes. is amazing right right yeah. you can't you get to do it again you know what I'm saying but it's the thought but of it's, it's the thought of being their best self. Of course. Right? I get it. But it's also such a fine balance with artists, especially, and in that. And I've had this talk, too, and, like, the the crazy thing is, at the time, I was so green. I didn't know what the fuck it really was. It wasn't like I was 30 mm. years in the game and have seen it time and time again. Mm. Um, but for me, it was like, yo, like, these are masterpieces in the fucking moment. Mm. appreciate that like understand if you're going to be doing this for the long haul nobody's going to look back at what you thought was subpar when they were touched by it and then you've become what you've always wanted to four five six eight years down the line 
Nobody's gonna look back and say, but dog, that the the second album was weak. The one that he put out yeah. just on his own was super weak. Like fuck him. Nobody's gonna do that. But as creatives, there's such an emotional attachment to it. There's such a it's a very, very, very deep emotional bond, and it, it's a battle of insecurity and finding security in one's craft. Mm. But it's also, I feel like, you know, looking back at it now, it's like appreciating the process. We mm. all talk about that. Like, it's easily understood. Like, the journey's long, and the journey's just like, motherfuckers know what that is coming into the game, but it's very hard to maintain that and, and act accordingly when greatness is the mission, you know what I mean? But we tend to forget that all of the greats have gone through those periods. Like, I can openly say, as sitting behind you, shout out to Koa Payton for painting such a masterpiece, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But I can honestly say Tupac is one of the most influential artists, entertainers in my life, right? I don't go back and be like, man, his credibility, mm-mm, like he was dancing yeah. on stage with Digital Underground. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? Like, sh- this motherfucker wrote poetry, and mm. this dude was was in art school. Like, I don't say that. Nor does anybody, when he's considered, in my eyes, the greatest motherfucker ever, but yeah. open to everybody, your opinions matter, and I, I'll leave you to your own devices. But no, like, think about the brilliance. One of the greatest in the game Nobody's going, and for a man that actually lived it to say like, I had to do that to get to where I wanted to go, mm-hmm. where everybody's thinking they're doing that, but they're like, what? And then, and then it comes again. What are they thinking about me? Right. Yeah. yeah. What, what you, is, you don't get to choose what people love you for. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You don't get to choose. It's just like people hit me up about old songs, man. Like I'm like that one, <laughs> really that one. Yeah. And you put so much, in, in, so much love into the new one. You're like, this is this is the <laughs> shit. People <laughs> yeah. gonna flip out. This is gonna be viral. This is gonna be a hit. And people are like, yeah, that's cool. But that, <laughs> Yo, that old one though, real. that one you did three years ago. I'm like, man, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying for real. And. It is what it is. You can just appreciate it, man. Like Absolutely. Dude, my mom still has playlists with beats from when I was 16. And she calls me. She's like, man, I wish you did something like that. I'm like, are you serious? <laughs> yo. Unmixed. It's like, yo, mom, this is this Fruity Loop beat. This, right? Yeah, like, this is like this unmixed yeah. two-minute I gave instrumental it to you at 16. Thing. I did it at 13. Like, yeah, like, yeah like I'm trying to record an orchestra and you're telling me <laughs> yeah. you don't like this or like that. Like, <laughs> It's crazy, but... Wow, this has live horns on it. (laughs) Live horns. You don't know the instrument, the 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 players that I got on this. This is a classic. Just by association, this is a classic. She's like, no, go back to the thirteen-year-old. People, it's it's man. People don't. It's so funny to me, especially when we talk about the creative process. If you look at like, you look at like some of the uh, uh, new like trap hits or urban stuff that's mm-hmm. coming out mm-hmm. you know production's so minimal you know like you have somebody so like minimal. metro booming cranking out these tracks right and you look at like anderson park or frank ocean's uh personnel listing where he got 140 people now yeah big name people big like, names crazy like yeah. arrangers shout out to fucking, omas keith being a part oh, of it just like dug him omas fucking yeah and he i mean he's that guy yeah you know, like omas omas like, you're gonna be summoned soon Oh, bro. Know that. 
Bro, yeah. Trust he's me, a homie. You know he's like. No, he's yeah. he's the ultra homie. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Dude, I literally hit him and I was like, bro, like, because he's been watching all this happen, right? Oh, shit. Oh, bro, me and Omas wow. go back. I met, I met I Omas not. during their Sara days, bro. That's crazy. I met Omas when I was with you and I. That makes sense. At Rafael Sadiq Studio in NoHo. Wow. Whoa. I'm talking 09. Yeah. I was a fat Persian kid. Actually, uh, I was like wow. gordito-lish. Gordito. <laughs> right? No, but like, and, and it's, it's funny because Omas and I, like, we never were really like super close, mm. but it was always like very similar, abundant energy. Yeah. And now throughout this process, it's like, okay, boom, one degree of separation. Oh, you're here too. Oh, and we got really close. <clears throat> yeah. And I was like, look, Omas, and we've always been talking about getting up. And I'm like, Omas, it's time. And you know him, bro. He's like, well, you got to summon me. Yeah. And I was like, and, and literally I'll text him and be like, this is your summons, my brother. Here we, you know Omas, what I'm saying? Man. Omas, you're being summoned. Omas is like, he is like a character from Alice in Wonderland. I swear He reminds God, me of like, the, like the, the bunny with the clock or something. Yes. Where it's just he like, raised the Cheshire you don't, cat, You bro. don't find him. He just, he's just, he'll just be there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he's just like, real. there he, oh, what's good? Hey, what's good, my brother? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, and, and it's like, and then you hang out, you hang out for two, three hours, but then when you anticipate it happening, it's like, it's like impossible <laughs> to get a hold of him. I'm like, what the fuck? But, and, and the funny thing is, like, like no, like, no shade, man. I got so much love, you know, for, for him. And, Bro, and, un, un, like, and, but it's just, it's just one of those things where, like, People hit me up and they act like, you know, they're like, yo, man, could you hit up Omas for me and maybe I could come to the studio this and that. I was like, bro, could you do that for me right yeah. now? Like, <laughs> I, can't, I can't get a hold bro, of him Bro, could right he now. do that for him right now? Like, Lord knows. Yeah, you like, know what I'm saying? Yeah, dude. Like, he's got like. No, he's incredible though, bro. Like, <laughs> it, 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 see, this is the beauty. It's wild how small of a world this is, right? Tiny. And, and it, it just goes to show that. Nothing you can plan or strategize or, oh, I'm going to meet this person. Or, oh, I'm going to like, this person's going to like me. Happens. Mm. Right? And I feel like the authentic ones, even whether you're found or you're lost still, right? But the authentic ones always find a way to one another. Like we say, good people propagate. But, you know, I really feel like there's a genuineness within people that's understood just as a human trait. You know what I mean? It's like sometimes the timing's not right. Sometimes it may be an artist that meets somebody of an Omas's caliber and be like, yo, we really need to work, bro. Like, I'm, I'm a superstar. You know what I'm saying? And maybe it doesn't happen then, but maybe a guy like that hears your music and says, yo, I need to, like, I really fuck with this kid. Or maybe it's a... Uh, a manager that introduces it's like, damn, I met this kid six years ago and like, oh shit, you're dope, right? But we can never control these things and especially on thinking, looking at it like from an artist's perspective, it's like so many artists that I've come across want to be on, right? Want to make it, want to yeah, touch the world with their music, you know what I'm saying? Want to just perform in front of 50,000 people and fucking all these things, which is great, right? But how many of them are working to prepare for that type of pressure? 
Yeah. Right. Because wanting something that's so unattainable is 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 so like challenging to the mind, right? And so fruitful at the thought of what that could be. But it also comes down to what a lot of people just misunderstand, even being historians in the game, is that like these people that have done it and that have lasted have literally dedicated their fucking existence into the even shot at having the attempt of this. Like, have iterated themselves 50 billion times, have come across people that have shaped their lives, have come across people that have taken everything from their lives, mm. and come, and like, more with, without wanting it, they've just, this is my, this is what I feel about the difference between those that really are timeless, is that many want it, right? Whatever it is. Mm. But f- few are A, able to prepare for it, right? Mm. And B, and C is few will ever be able to maintain it, mm. right? Because they're unable to adapt to what it becomes. Yeah, it's it's such a, a broad, uh, such a weird skill set. I mean, the, the skill set that you need to be an artist in the first place and then sustain it, like you said. Like one of the one of the Kanye quotes that that always stuck with me i think we talked about last time i was here uh how he never considered himself being good at anything particular but learning things Mm. extremely good learner yeah and uh i resonate with that because everything that i started sucked everything i'm probably the worst producer i ever heard Mm. at one point you know what i'm saying yeah um today like people send me beats and they're like, hey, what do you think? I just started producing. I'm like, yo, this is amazing. When I started, it was just like complete unlistenable. That kid, if I would have met that kid, I would have probably told him, like, you should maybe do something else. <laughs> yeah. Which people told me. Yeah. And I was just like, nah, I want to mm. do this. What do I need to do? You know what I'm saying? And then it becomes this thing where somebody's like, well, you got to do this. You got to have a better mix. You got to produce. You got to write better songs. And it was always just like getting to the next step. And then. You know, my toughest critics really became my my allies because <coughs> they only they they were the ones who really promoted growth. Yeah. It was always and like pushed you to grow. Yeah, it was always like somebody crushing me by being like, Man, all these beats are nice, but you ain't got no songs, homie. I'm like, Wow. Shit. You need that. You need I'm that. Very my important. fucking time. Oh yeah, really important. And but then, sure enough, like a year or two later, they're like, "Yo, man, could you help me write a song? Could you like do this?" And that's been like a pattern where I I get way more inspired if somebody says I can't do something than if somebody's like, "Oh, what you're doing is great. Keep on doing what you do." Mm. That's always like, ah, fuck. I don't yeah. know what to do with that. Yeah. What does that mean? Keep like, can on you doing tell me you more, do? dog? Like, can you? Are like, you are you leveling with me? Yeah, here? you know, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like the yes men that you were saying, and it's not you know it's not a, a bad thing. I know people, you know, they're always trying to give give praise, and you know, I I really appreciate it. But when it comes to what I take and how I improve, it's always been just you know really bringing me down to earth and being like, yo, yeah. this is how you suck. You know, yeah, my bad. This no is 
you know absolutely we, you need to know though it's a yeah. positive thing and, and i think once you take away the negativity of it or like the ego or whatever yeah. bullshit that insecurity you deal with because you can't handle negative quote-unquote negative crit- critiques on something mm. if you remove that from yourself what these what people are saying is actually positive mm. like they're actually yeah. telling you yo this is how you can be better yeah, it's you goddamn right. Yeah, ab- absolutely. That's that's what it is. It's and it's a fine line, man. Because in order to on like on the flip side, having a tough skin also means sometimes to to not give a fuck what people say. You yeah. know what I'm saying? That that, that, you, that is you, what it is. But but, but to own, uh, knowing the difference, yeah, between them is because you're putting you're utilizing 100%. some of those times, but you're putting the work in. Yeah, like you're studying your idols. You're looking at this different yeah. type of music. You're seeing your progression. You're knowing okay, what you said was kind of bullshit. And then when somebody said something like, "Bro, like that arrangement's just off," and you're just like, "Whoa!" Like. You, when you're going chasing after, but you don't know, and you yeah. meet somebody, it's like, bro, like that's just off, and you're like, wait, what? What is off? And then poop, 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 and then you're just like, yes, that's what it fucking was. Yo, you, I, you, yo, it's it's so crazy. My grandfather, my dad found this old diary piece of my grandmother, and my grandfather wrote into a diary piece just a sentence, and he said he it was like very like proper old German. He was just like every man knows deep within itself the what what he must do and we ask questions to seek validation in what we already know and and i find that is so true especially with criticism because i'm not asking to hear what you think because i don't know what's going on i'm asking because i want to hear you confirm what i already suspect you know what i'm saying when i'm like what do you think of these vocals i already know they're not loud Mm. enough you know i just haven't quite i'm unsure but if if I ask you what do you think and I'm thinking vocals and you tell me, man, it should be a house record, I'm like, well, fuck that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We're, we're beyond that. Sometimes you get advice like that. Like so. people are like, man, I don't like the guitar. I don't like guitars. Blah blah blah. It's like, well, this is a guitar record. And some Let's people stay and within. You know what's wild? Yeah, yeah, some yeah. people just talk just to talk, right? Yeah. It tripped me out, Joe, because when I was working with Oren and when I was working with David, okay. Yeah. David Dan is one of the great, best ears in the game, hands yeah, down. absolutely. No question. Oren, to me, also one of the illest producers in the game, hands down, right? The craziest shit is, is like, these fuckers would fuck with me, right? Because mm. I'm not a music guy. Mm. I'm a people guy. I was able to manage well because I was able to manage personalities and expectations and also in the sea of whatever the fuckedness, I got it done, Right? But if you were to sit me down in a fucking session, which I hated and still to this day hate, right? Especially if a motherfucker is like editing a record or fixing an arrangement or like fixing one fucking hi-hat for six hours because of that. But they need to. But like Oren would always ask me, be like, yo, what do you think of this? And literally, I was so in tune with who I was. I wasn't ashamed to be like, fuck, I need a guess and be like, well, yeah, dog. I was like, bro, it feels good. It really feels good to me. I couldn't tell you. And he's like, no, but bro, like, do you not hear the la, 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 la? And I'd be like, <laughs> for real, though. And, he, and he'd get anxious with it. He's like, no, wait, here, listen to it in the car then. I'm like, bro, it just feels good. Or it just feels, mm, I'm not really feeling it. And David 
did I'm about to put you on blast right here just off of love shit. David would literally he, he knew goddamn well I just had a distaste and a non understanding of dance music, right? You, I was a great tour manager for him, but like I'm not gonna be sitting there and like paving your dance career because I can't listen to music for more than fucking twenty minutes anyways, right? And David used to fucking throw this shit out where he'd play like a Chris Pritz record, or Eric Pritz record and be like, yo, what you think of this? I just made this shit. He's like, what you think of this shit, right? Or vice versa. He'd play one of his records and he'd be like, yo, yo, this is Guy J. Uh, he's like, yo. He, he, he literally be like, yo, 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 who does this sound like to you? And I'd literally look at him and be like, bro, I don't fucking know. Or he'd be like, this Guy J record's lit, right? And I'd be like, I don't know. And but David would have that laugh of like, yeah, that's so sneaky. Though. Yeah, that's so he's a, low key. But he's that's a great. sneaky fucker like that. But <laughs> but I also knew David so well as a person that when his fucking eyes light up, and his eyes are saying, "I'm gonna find something out," I already knew. You know what I'm saying? So I didn't need to be that like guy that was just like. Fuck, I don't know. And like he's like, I got you. I, like you're in his spider web. Oh, you feel man. me? But but these fuckers would fuck with me like and it's it's unintentional. Like I'd see David put other cats on blast just to judge their character. Wow. And be like, yo, what do you think of this new Chris uh, Eric Pritz Chris Pritz? Who the fuck is Chris Pritz? Eric Pritz record. And they'd be like, Hey, that shit's fucking sick. Yeah. And David would look at me like this. Yeah. And then at the end, he'd slap him down with it too. He'd be like, bro, that's me. Yeah. Damn. And they'd be like, oh, that's fucking sick. And he'd just like dead their opinion out. You know what Damn. I'm saying? Cats yeah. are just out here trying yeah. to catch shit. Wow. But that just shows the creative mind because at the same time, like, it's a test. Yeah. Absolutely. It's wild, bro. But it's it's crazy in this terrain. It's like you're looking for validation. You're also looking for for honest advice. It's like, <laughs> at the end of the day, when you think about it, and I'm looking at, back at this like hindsight's 2020, the only person that really could, that really knows is ourselves. Yeah. Absolutely. Flat out. Absolutely. That's why the gut Whatever. is so important. Yeah. You know, and, um, dude, it's, 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 it's really important to, to, to stay true. To, to what you feel, you know, if something just like feels right. Yeah. You know, we're, we're so trained to block that out and mm. make it about our head. It's, it's, it's it, hard though. Yeah. It's, yeah. That absolutely. in and of itself is not comfortable, right? And to defy your rationale sometimes. Yeah. In life, we're looking for comfort, we're looking for independence. Mm. We forget that to get comfortable, we have to know what discomfort is. Yeah. You know, 100%. I mean, and I go back to Oren too. One of the most valuable things I, I learned was when I first met Oren and was playing, Oren checked me so hard. And I told him this when he was on the podcast. Yeah. Like, he, he is I, the type that will un, like, uninhibitedly mm. just check the fuck. Like, bro, what? Dude, I came in playing just like wild bass. I was aggressive, like punk style, like hip hop style. I just mm. really like very loose technique, but I didn't care. I just wanted a bang. And... Warren was like, bro, I can't even talk to you until like you understand theory. Like mm -hmm. I can't even, the bones were there, but it's like, I mean, 
if we're even going to have a conversation and really make music, you need to know music. You, you need to know music. And pre- mm-hmm. he's and the, he's the type though, and like, and I love this about him is that appreciate the history of music, appreciate what you're playing. Yeah. But, it, it, but in his way, to me, that was one of the most valuable things because all it did was enhance what I already had. Mm-hmm. And I think you, you know, at first I was like, oh shit, like I got super insecure. And I went home, I bought this like 300 page fucking based music theory book and like page by page just practiced my ass off and studied and learned and studied and learned. And all it did was make me better. And had I had an ego or couldn't face that, or been like, yo, fuck this, fuck this dude, I'm going to be a wild beast and just, Yo, that's my style, bro. That's just who I am, bro. Fuck you I, if you don't like it, man. <laughs> Yo, Bing. and it's like if you if you if you're that dude, and if you keep running from that shit, and try to hold on to who the fuck you think you are in your mind, you will fucking stay average as shit. Average, big, as big fuck. misconception that people make in, yeah. about art in general, or yeah. making it as an artist on a professional level. That's so true, man. I mean, I I met so many artists who are you know, they approach it from the get with like, I'm just gonna do me. I'm just mm, gonna, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna be me. all expression. Yeah, and I'm just like, I mean, we all want to express ourselves. You know what I'm saying? But you know, I had this friend in New York a while back. He said that, you know, he he moved to New York. He's like, yo, I'm not gonna get a day job. I'm just gonna make music. I'm just gonna play every day and see how you know how it works. And I was like. And I realized he couldn't really play. He had a great voice, but he wasn't really playing. I was like, dude, you should maybe learn some more chords. If not, I'm, I think, you know, that will come. I'm more about the voice. I don't want to, like, I just want to be free because it's going to taint my playing. Mm. And I was like, I was like, bro, you should also get a job. This is New York. He's like, nah, I think good things are going to, you know, yeah, I'm done with all that. He was like, I'm done with all that. Yo, you know what I'm saying? I'm like, bro. I'm going to be a starving artist, bro. This is for the music, baby. Like, yeah, he was just like underestimating it. You know, and I lived in New York for a while, and I was like, dude, I don't care how much money you saved up, man. Yeah. Like, that's that's gone in a New York minute. That's not how it works. You meet people at work. You meet a coworker who's yes. just, who goes to NYU or some shit. You know, like, you... That, like you gotta have the right idea of what it means to put yourself out there. Yeah. Mm. And 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 those experiences having a day job and hating it is is part of what fuels the whole struggle in the first place. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And one of the one of the most dangerous thing things I think there there is to being an artist is the comfortability where you just like now you have these budgets to record whatever and people don't know what the fuck to record. Yeah. And 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 struggle made some great fucking songs, you know yes. what I'm saying? And life um, did, bro. Like yeah. It's not like this fairy tale. The when you think about the artists that we love the most, like mm. even in today's day and age, bro, like and the, the, even when I like when I heard your music for the first mm. time, right? Is that you spoke to me. These artists are speaking to a piece of us. Because although we're all unique as fuck, nobody's the same. Yeah, of I don't give a fuck. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? But we all have pieces of one another and experiences that are similar of one another that have happened. And especially with music being such a emotion-driven craft, right? Mm-hmm. You're speaking to an emotion. You're speaking to a feeling. And the only way you can resonate is 
by just spe- and and I feel like why we adore especially writers and musicians so much is because they're able to say to people or say, speak about experiences like mm-hmm. that's why you get the bro you saved my life yeah. right is because they're able to speak to the weaker you or they're able to evoke the stronger you and be like damn like I'm not alone. But you can't manufacture that. You can manufacture hits, songs, what works well, and different all these things, but you cannot ma- manufacture uh, a level of authenticity or a level of no. being able to connect with a human being. You know what I'm saying? Like you take it back to the Marvins and the Sam Cooks and and all of these guys, like they're connecting yeah. with people, right? I want to I want to take it back on what brought you to New York. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's. I always wanted to live in New York. Okay. As long was it as I college or like was it? Did you? Uh, it was. So well, I mean, we got to go back further. Let's go there. Take further. me there, you know baby. I just I set a benchmark. You flip me back. Let's go. So I, I started producing uh, when I was about fifteen, sixteen. Okay. You know, all my friends were. We were all rapping. We were all freestyling. I always wanted to be a producer. And way before I was a producer, I would tell people that I am a producer. Mm. Just because my friends like, yo, this no, he plays the piano, like he's gonna be a producer someday, you know? Like I never I didn't know what a producer really did. Yeah. It was just like uh but I, I asked my dad, I was like, you know, for a long time in Buckingham, I was like, Dad, like you know what 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 I need to produce, like one of like the programs, Cubase or something. And he's like, Yeah, yeah, we'll get you that. So um yeah, like some some point, like for my birthday, he got me like a student copy for Cubase, and um, my buddy was really tech savvy. He like you know showed me the ropes how to like start recording MIDI, yeah. sampling beats, and that whole thing. Yeah, and uh, it from that point on, I was always making beats all the time. Instantly loved it. I was instantly addicted to it, and. It completely took up everything that I did from like, from the point where at that time I was going to school, then would come home, finish my homework real quick, make beats until, you know, I have to like eat or whatever and then go right back to making beats, make beats throughout the night and go back to school. Mm. And every now and then I would go to boxing practice and, and, and go, go, uh, um, do like like dancing sessions, you know, like things like that. But really, I was doing that. I wasn't going out. I wasn't going to clubs like all my friends were, you know. I wasn't really dating much, you know. It was, it was all about making immersed beats. in music. Yeah, and people, my my friends would make fun of me because I started disappearing. They were like, "Yo, no, where you been at?" It's like, "Oh, I'm making beats." I'm like, "Oh, you're making beats now." You like all your friends like laughing. Oh, yeah. I, I didn't know I was talking to Timberland over here. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And how how do you deal with that? I actually want to talk about that because uh, one thing that I think happens a lot when you're a teen yeah. or going through that is that you're highly impressionable by yeah. your social circles, your mm. friends, and I think a lot of there's a lot of lost time there, and because it's very hard to have that discipline, right? Absolutely. Of, even if it's driven by what you love, you could still be influenced by yo. I want to go to that party, mm. or I I got to do this. My friends are doing that. I don't want to miss out on a moment. I'm young. I'm you know, how do you deal with that balance? I mean, honestly, I was never that kid. I was never, mm. if you want to put leaders and followers, I was never a follower kind of dude. 
I was always like, fuck you guys, I'm going home. You know? And with that kind of shit. That's, when, a, that's, a, that's a good quality, man. You it's know, tough. when people, yeah. But I, I knew I love making beats. When people made fun of me, to me, it wasn't like, damn, what I'm doing is wrong. It was more like, you fucking idiots. You don't know. Yeah, y'all don't know yet. Yeah, y'all don't know yet. You know what I'm saying? And I, I, and it sucked at first. Like like I said, I, I had like, you know, like, like, like stock sounds and stock kits where you have like eight drum sounds yeah. and just trying to make beats. Like why, how do we make, how do you make music sound good? So at first I started playing classical melodies and making the beat and it just sounded all cheesy and weird. <laughs> and then you got 808 kits, which are super hard to, to, to uh, super easy to come by. But then I, everything sounded like a trap beat and everything was like orchestral, like brassy and fucking, you know, just weird. And my musical taste was way more refined. I loved this guy Nujabez. I don't know if you guys know who that uh-uh. is. <sighs> Amazing Japanese, like hip hop, jazz. Really? Uh, yeah, he he changed my life. Wow. He was my Jay Dilla. You know what I'm saying? What's his name wow. again? I'm sorry. Nujabez. Nujabez. Uh, guys out there, write that down. If you don't know who that is, amazing artist. Nujabez. Yeah, and and I always thought that he he played it. He was just an amazing producer. But right around that age, it was around 15, 16, I realized. They're stealing their drums. They're sampling their drums, yeah. which hadn't occurred to me. And wow. once I re- once I did that and I realized what audio was, I was like, fuck. And overnight, like my beats started to sound like real songs. Because you were sampling from other songs. Yeah, because yeah. I was starting to sample Roy Ayers and Les McCann and fucking everything. And I was so into Pete Rock. That's another one. Mm-hmm. Pete Rock was like my, like I'm probably the biggest Pete Rock fan you'll oh, find in L.A. That's incredible. Uh, wow. Yeah, I have all of his, every record. I that's buy so all of funny, it. That's so funny. Because I was, yeah. Huge, huge. Um, and And just the sample culture and everything, I... It was still very raw. I still know didn't know how to mix. I was using Cubase like an MPC, basically, mm. like drag and drop, but playing like over it, very jazzy kind of stuff. Um, and uh, I wanted more though. I didn't want it to be just that guy, you know. So I started just experimenting with with more poppier melodies or catchy. I always like catchy things, and during that time. My buddy, this is all leading up to why I got to the U.S. Yeah, 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 yeah. beautiful. During this time. We we had a gap and you brought her right back. Yeah, we were, I was also dancing, right? So So, you were dancing, boxing, and producing. Yeah, that was my, that was all I did, recreationally, (laughs) like like outside of school. And these are, uh, this is the wild thing for me, is these are all crafts where to be really fucking good, you have to dedicate. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's mo- why I like dropped boxing. a motherfucker boxing. doesn't have time yeah. to, no. to be in the gym, to be in the studio dancing, and then to be in the studio. Yeah. I mean, they kind of <laughs> phased each other out. It was kind of like my dancing kind of, I was doing that from when I was about 10. I got really into, into b-boying till I was about, well, really till I was about like 19, but I stopped going consistently when I was about 14, 15 because I, I started producing more and then i started boxing when i was 15 and then it became more that but i would still check in with my dancer buddies you know <coughs> we would still go to auditions and that whole thing and my best friend charles de back in berlin he um 
childhood like my dog from when i was nine years old you wow. know, like my brother filipino kid um that that lived across the street and uh <coughs> he 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 had a flyer stuck to his shoe he was riding a bus one day and a flyer was stuck to his shoe that said looking for dancers for for a feature film and he came came to my house and was like listen man they're looking for dancers this is a real movie i feel like we gotta be in it like and he's he's way more he's got a little bit more confidence to me. He's like, yo, we're good looking cats. Like this, they want us. Like you know, yo, this. for like, real. Like you the friend looking. you want when you're doubting shit. <laughs> yeah, and I was like, dude, they're not gonna want us in a movie. You know what I'm saying? And he's like, nah, dude, you like the best pop locker that I know. Like you're good looking. I'm a fucking b boy and I kill it. Like he's yeah, like that. Yeah. And I'm like, you're kind of building up. Like wait, you're right. I'm though. like, all right, let's go. You know what I'm saying? So we went to auditions. It's a two day of like dance audition where they like make you learn routines like super quick. Yeah. And um, while that was going on, they were having acting auditions in another room and they were having singing auditions in another room because it, they weren't sure if the music, if the film would be a musical. Wow. So when I was done with my dancing thing, I started watching all the, the acting kids like getting ready, preparing lines. And he was like, yo, you want to read this line with me? I'm like, sure. Like I'm done with my dancing stuff. And, I started reading it. I went in there with the kid to help him. And then the producers were like, yo, have you prepared a part? I'm like, nah. It's like, why won't, why don't you try out for that part? We'd love to see you in there. I was like, well, I'm not, I'm not an actor. He's like, no, no, you should do it. We'll, we'll just try it. And I just tried for the first time. I read a script and tried to become somebody. And I was like, yo, this is, this is dope. This is great. Oh, wow. Wild. Yo, the crazy part is, yo. I auditioned. I go to the singing audition. I did everything. I was like, let me do everything. I got the lead part in the movie. It ended up being, yo, we haven't cast the lead yet. Do you want to play this this guy? You know, it's like six months of preparation, but we'll coach you in this whole thing. That's was, insane. Whoa. Yeah. So like, and I was 16, which for my confidence, I was like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> Yo, the bottom of a because, fucking shoe. Because I like, yeah, exactly. And I look pretty much the way I look now, like my body type, you know, like I was working out and shit. And like, I wasn't like the chubby kid yeah. that I was. But in my head, I was. You know what I'm saying? Wow. So I wasn't really like. Oh, you still carried that. I was, it wasn't I was like, still like, yeah, that, like, I was just that, like, like. confidence in that. Nah, not at all, man. I was, I was surprised that. that people would think I could be an artist or, or any kind of wow. like frontman type person. Oh, wow. I still wanted to be a producer like Jack That's something Jeff. that we all go through, though, bro. It's, it's yeah, not uncommon. Dude. And it's beautiful to hear, especially at that age. I, I always want to be like Jazzy Jeff or somebody like this. I was like, you guys do this, you perform, I'm in the studio, I'm making beats, I'm comfortable. That was always me. And once I got a taste for it, I was just like, I love this. You know what I'm saying? I love acting now. Like, what the fuck? Mm. Like, we did this movie and it played in like in, in, in a couple select theaters. And How was that experience? It, oh, bro. <laughs> Yo, I, hey, what was like the movie? It. Uh, it was called Fake Skills. It, it was a low budget. I mean, low budget being like, it was like, Hundred grand yeah, kind of yeah. movie. It was like a basically the city trying to make turn a, a, a classic German folktale into a hip hop story, and uh, he he had the step up of uh, was it step up? Step yeah, up it was like that. Yeah. So it was about me. I'm this like this this poet. This it was like Eight Mile. I was like this rapper, but nobody knew how good I was, and I was obsessed with this girl, and she was 
really into rap, but I couldn't tell her. And then this guy steals my lyrics, and she falls in love with him. Oh, and wow. it was like, oh, oh, it was so funny. Oh. It was so funny, man. And I mean, that was crazy because now I'm like, in my, in, I'm, I'm, I became like a little bit like a, like a local hero. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it wasn't big, but like little kids, like they would be like, "Hey, aren't you that guy from that movie?" And you know. <laughs> It was like how you yeah. were, you were sixteen, seventeen. By the time it came out, I was seventeen, or late that's, seventeen. That's, I mean, that's huge for for did what you start, just happened. Did you start seeing yourself a little more? I still want to be a producer. Seeing? I was still like, this was cool, but I'm a, I'm I'm, I'm going to be a music producer. And what happened was that these people were putting on an actual musical. It was like an inner city musical, kind of similar story. They took a German thing, uh, a William Tell. Uh, well, it's a Swiss folktale, and he turned into a hip-hop musical. So all the choreographies were b-boys and jazz dancers, and all the, and the songs were raps and that whole thing. That's incredible, though. Yeah, and it was like, you know, it was like the German hood kind of yeah. putting, like, for the kids, like, ages 8 to 24, kids are getting in trouble. We were all putting on this musical together, and they saw the movie, and they, their lead was always this this pretty boy mix guy. Mm. And when they saw the movie, they were like, hey, man, our lead is leaving, and he's actually an asshole. Would you like to replace him? And I was like, no, but I would love to produce the music. And they were like, all right, cool, whatever you want to do. What Wait, why no, though? I just didn't. Honestly, I was afraid of the workload. Mm. I did not want to get distract, distracted with anything other than the musical process. I didn't want to like learn the script and be the front man of this musical and sing like, you know, mm. sing this thing every night. And, you know, I also started dating one of the uh, backup singers and I was just like, I want to help become more like a musical director, produce some of the production. Mm. And that was the first time when I was 17 that somebody paid me to produce. It was a hundred dollars per track, hundred euros. And that was just like, Mama, we made it. I, yeah. feel I was like, I was like, I feel you, bro. I I'm getting that. paid. I respect that for real. I get like a hundred. Like now, if somebody asks me, like, "Yo, you want to produce my song for a hundred bucks?" I'll be like, "Get the fuck out!" Of here. <laughs> like, oh, please no. leave right now. <laughs> but at the time, I was like, "Yo, this this is it." You know, like I like tasted blood now. You know yeah. what I'm saying? For real. And it was it was so crazy and. Uh, and then and then I I started doing choreographies. I started you know helping with not all of it, but some of it. Some of the yeah. dance routines, like my other dancer friend couldn't do it, and it was like Noah, could you teach a dancers like a choreography today? So I started doing that and kind of getting involved into the musical where it became like a family. And I was just trying to like help. Bro, how wild is this that if your best friend, your neighbor, literally took a step to the left, or I the know, right, yeah, this. Never would have happened. We wouldn't be having this conversation today. Yo. That is literally what it is. A flyer. Yo, on the bottom mm. of a fucking shoe. Shout yeah. out to whatever the fuck he had on his shoe. <laughs> like that <laughs> sticulous. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Dude. What? Dude, that that, that musical. To literally like a local hero movie. Another shot at an, at, an, at an acting and like kind of musical play gig. It was crazy. Knowing how comfortable you are with 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 your with your see th this is what I like in in, in your story and in, in, in kind of a, a a through line is regardless of how secure or insecure you were about 
your yourself in in terms of like how you saw yourself mm. you're very deliberate with your decisions mm. you know what i'm saying and 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 you made choices and and your choices towards what whether you knew it then or not but what spoke to you you made them with with a level of conviction yeah uh def definitely i mean it was always kind of uh yeah man like like a cheesy analogy but it was always like closing my eyes and jumping you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. jumping off like the highest diving board mm -hmm. and you're just like i haven't done this before but fuck it you know what yeah. i'm saying like I, i'm not gonna die let's see, <laughs> yeah. what, let's see what happens yeah and um with that being said that the musical ended up being a, a a pretty big success as you know in terms of story you know like here's these these german immigrant background kids putting on a musical taking tr traditional german literature and making it something positive you know to to impact people in their age group you know so That's incredible. so these these uh this company in germany started uh doing a small documentary piece or like a report that was uh, 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 on on national television, and I actually wasn't in it. It was like a, <coughs> it was like a few weeks before I joined. And this guy on TV, he was like, "I love these kids so much. I want to send them to the U.S. to perform, to perform the musical." Wow! And he couldn't back out of it because he said it on TV. So he wow. had to pay for thirty nice. kids Yo. to come to the US. Nice. He's like, oh I shit! He's that. like, you guys were filming. God and, damn. and I wasn't part of it yet. But the organizer was like, no, I just put your name on the list. Say you were part of it, and we'll fly you out. <laughs> I was like, dope. And I mean, a few years went by. I was about yeah, I was eighteen and turning nineteen. I was just about to graduate high school, and the trip was high school. We everybody graduates in April, and. The trip was set for May or June, something like that. Yeah, I turned twenty. I turned nineteen in April. Month later, they were like, "Yo, we got you a ticket to Vegas." I was like, "Yo, make it a one way ticket." And you're like, "Why? Why would you? Why is why is that?" I'm like, "Well, I've been thinking about moving to the U.S. I just never. I didn't have the money. I never know how. But I think wow. if I don't go now, I might not go." Wow. Because, Whoa! Did you did you, you talk know? about this with your your father, your mother, your grandma? I did, but they didn't really hear me. It was just like, oh yeah, like you know, like wow. James you, Earl Jones, head. like Sawyer or Lords, you know, like it was like Hakim, go out, see the world, and I was just like, but I was like, I want to, I want to do this, and but it, it's also not uncommon in Europe that after high school you take a year off. You know, so all my friends were going to Australia, backpacking that shit. You know, and then they went to law school, mm -hmm. and I was like, "I'm a, I'm a go to Vegas. That was our destination, and I'm going to live in New York someday." Cause, and this is because when I was five, my mom bought me a Vibe. She would always bring me back the Vibe and Source magazine. Yo, and I flipped it open, bro, and I saw I saw a Rockaware ad with a guy standing in Brooklyn with sagging his pants, or it was like Fubu or something like that. Yeah. And I saw the dude. I was like, man, New York. I saw like the Brickstone, oh, yeah. and I was saw. I was like, oh man, I want to be that guy. <sighs> and that manifested in my head. I, oh my whole life, my whole life, I want to be in New York. You know, yo. And you know, like as a German kid, like my hometown is like twenty thousand people, and people don't they don't encourage that kind of thing. 
they they advise you to, to not do that kind of thing. You know, it's always like, why would you do that? You know, what if you fail? Mm. And um, it was one of those things. I knew if I stay, I'm gonna I'm gonna. At the time, I went to a, a school for economics and Spanish, and I was just like, I'm not gonna work at a bank. I'm not gonna go into finance. I fucking you know, like. I like knowing where my money's going, but I'm, I, I really am not like that in the numbers and that whole thing. Um, but I, I did, I do love, I, I did love Spanish. Like I always like learning languages and, um, uh, at the time it made sense. But basically when I got to Vegas, I, I had no real destination. I had family in New York, but I ended up taking a trip to LA for a week. I ended up staying with family in Montreal for like three weeks until they kicked me out and they were like, you know, my dad's brother was like, where is this going? Where are you going with this? You know, beat the artist route is a tough path. And like all this whole thing, you know, where he pulled me aside. And he's like my favorite uncle. But it was one of those things like I didn't want to hear that. Yeah. Yeah. I was just like, yeah. I understand, but I will do this regardless. And and I ended up in New York with my grandfather's wife, my well not my birth like grandmother by blood but you know she's my grandmother technically and um she let me stay i stayed in east new york like brownsville like the hood of Wait, like you went to vegas first though i went to vegas first but only for like three days and then, this is like where we stayed and yeah. we were supposed to perform which we yeah. ended up not doing the, and i just dipped how'd you, wait how, and then you, you, you just bought you just bought a, a flight from vegas to new york uh, no, oh. no, no, no. I, I drove oh, to, drove. to my LA. To LA then, yeah, gotcha. Until I okay. ran out of money and I called my dad. It's like, can you get me a ticket to see and your brother? Was, gotcha. okay. And then I went there and I stayed rent free for three weeks and I was just hanging out with family. And then I took a bus to New York. Uh, yeah, yeah. Literally on like a thousand bucks. I did all of that. Imagine what that trip is like, though. Yeah. On that bus. Yeah, yeah. As a like 18, 19 year old kid. Like going, your, your wheels are turning. You're like, I'm here, and you're now, just ready. Like, I wanna. I just didn't know. And to me, a thousand, a thousand euros was a lot of money. It is a lot of money, but I had no idea that that would only last me three weeks. <laughs> you know what I'm well, saying? Well, New York, like you walk out, it's like twenty dollars just to step out the door. Then you like, <laughs> yeah, take, then, then bro. you like hit the button to walk across the street. That's another twenty dollars. For real. Then, like and it's was, like everything costs twenty bucks in New York. <laughs> everything. I was, yeah, that is so true. Uh, but I was naive, man. I bought clothes, you know what I'm saying? I was just like yeah, being you, 19. You, you literally went to Jacob with your first advance. I was <laughs> like, 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 you're like, oh, wait, this is supposed to last me three years? I'm treating myself today. <laughs> like, just being like, it was so funny, man. But <laughs> you over there just like, yeah, I'll get this. Like, it's it's so funny. I didn't realize where I was. I was such a, like, such a tourist in, in Brooklyn that. Although most of my family actually, in terms of numbers, is in Brooklyn. What part of um, Brooklyn? Well, East New York and then Flatbush, Bed-Stuy, mm -hmm. and mostly Flatbush. Like all my Caribbean families is out there and Crown Heights, some of them. But uh, my, my family that I'm really close with was in East New York. And I didn't realize how much of the hood that was. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I had no, like my geographical like sense for New York wasn't developed yet. So I was just like, yeah, it's Brooklyn. You know what I'm saying? But once I, I got there at night and the next day I started walking around. I was like, what the fuck? Everybody's wearing red. There's just like a corner store, all brick stone, you know, like projects right next to, right across the street. I'm just like, and I talked to a friend and, and I was like, yo dude, where do I live? And he's like, bro, you're deep. 
You know, you're in the last stop on the three train. You know what I'm saying? That takes like an hour and a half from the city. Oh. Wow. Like, and once he said it, I started hearing gunshots at night, <laughs> and I didn't notice to before. But I heard gunshots, people like fighting late at night, you know, talking shit, you know, like just me getting a sandwich at the corner store. Somebody runs in and being like, yo, man, dude just got hit. Like, like, come on. And then people running out. I'm like, fuck, what is happening? Whoa. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yo. And this is like full, I'm full on like button up, fedora. <laughs> I'm like right when the term hipster became a thing, that was me. You know what I'm yo, saying? Like, in, in, in the hood. Brownsville, dog. Like Mike Tyson, like Brownsville. Like <laughs> literally, like like Miller and Hedgeman, like by Van Sicklin is just... That is that that will place will probably never be gentrified, you know. Like, oh, like we're good up until that point. No, yeah. we're, we're, yeah. Yeah. No, no, we're yeah. cool. We're cool. Nah. Because I can it's, stay like that. How? how what? <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. It was what was so that funny. like for you though? Did you feel uncomfortable? No, I did not. I was just. Were you getting looked at like crazy? I mean. I'm gonna give myself credit right now and say I I I, 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 I give you all the credit I you just want. got out of the German boxing camp. Yeah. So I was also like, you know, I, it's it's kind of it's kind of an aura. You know what I'm saying? When you're, you're right. When you're in an, in an, in a, in the hood or you in a project, it's not like people are worse people or bad. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Respect. It's just like yeah. it's just like a bit more. You know, it's 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 rough. You know what I'm saying? But there's people if they know that you live there, they're not gonna fuck with you. They know yeah. you don't have any money. Yeah. Like nobody's gonna rob their neighbor. You yeah. know, so True. people at some point they're like, All right, there go that light skin dude. <laughs> and but they left me alone. At some point you like you, you, you see the dudes, there's like four of them on the corner dressing all red, but after a few months you start giving the dude a fist bump, you're like, Oh, it's good, you know, and then you you know, you just become incorporated into yes. that little there's an aura of familiarity too because they're also at first they're cautious of who you are yeah you because you're coming to their spot let's yeah. not forget that yeah but after a while they were more intrigued by the fact that i'm leaving the house with a guitar every day so they were like yo you're a musician dog like you play and i'm like yeah, yeah i play and they that like blew their minds wow you know so they were more just like yo what is this guy doing you know they weren't like fuck this dude they were just like trying to understand what I, what I was doing. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, it was it was interesting. I mean, I dated a girl, a Dominican girl from Harlem, so I would commute like three hours to see her. Oh, wow. And uh, man, New York was crazy, dude. I was selling comedy tickets. I was just like on Times Square pitching people like, hey, you want to see a comedy show? <laughs> want to see a comedy show? Check out a comedy show? Check out a comedy show? Yeah. I was that guy. Yo. Oh, yeah. I, was, I just wasn't old and creepy, but I was still that guy. Yeah. There's like 50 of that guy too. Really? It's a hard he's, sale. It's not like just he's that one guy. No, there's no, he's, he's no, no. Wow. Among the that I might guys. as well be. <laughs> among the that guy. Bro. I might as well been Spider-Man on Hollywood Boulevard. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, bro. That's, <laughs> that right. was the equivalent yeah. in New York. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> or like fucking Transformer or some shit. And <laughs> Hitting up Taurus. That's amazing. But, but that, was, that was another side of me because I was always obsessed with stand-up. Yeah. So when I was walking through New York and my eyes were just lit up, I'm like, wow, I'm in New York. This is my dream. I got no money, but this is my dream. And a guy stopped me in my tracks, was like, yo, 
you want to see a comedy show? I was like, yeah. And he looks at me, he's like, actually, you want a job? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> no. How did you, like, yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah dude. dude. I had a job like this when I was in New York. Did you yeah, really? Yeah, that's how I know about it. No one knows this, but <laughs> <Bro. laughs> it was so... <laughs> it's a community. It's an oh. underground community. I'm I, straight up like say that. It was like <laughs> I needed, I needed a, I needed to make some money on the side, and actually not on the side. I just needed to make money. <laughs> it felt like it was on In the, the side. Front, you needed to make a lot, yeah. and yeah, it just like you, you like I was looking on Craigslist. I was looking for all these different jobs, and then just one day, this guy just like came up. I was like, this was actually in the East Village. Um, and yeah, that's where I work. Yeah, <laughs> <You did>. yeah. <laughs> and it, it was pretty much the same thing. He's like, "Look, it wasn't. I don't, it wasn't for a comedy show. It was for a, like a nightclub." But he's like, yeah. "Here's a stack. They give you a stack of tickets that have same numbers gig. on them. Same gig, yeah. Yeah, they have numbers on them. You give them to as much people. If those people attend, you get a cut of because it's like almost like a promoter kind of style. Thing. Yeah, and exactly. that. So you're trying to get <laughs> the thing is you're just trying to get rid of your, your as many tickets as possible to up your chances." Of, you know, the more t- it's just a numbers game, right? Yeah. Like, so you're trying, trying to slang as many tickets. You know, you talk to girls, you try to get them in, like all that stuff. It, yeah, you know, <laughs> bro. But I, I felt so fucking weird doing it though. Like, you do feel uh, kind of sick. <laughs> it's so sketchy, bro. It's so sketchy. I mean, after the first like ten minutes, like you, you just get in your flow and you kind of just forget. But yo, when, when that first ticket that you have to give out, you're like, "How do I do?" This? <laughs> it's so awkward. Like, <laughs> you go up to the person; they don't want anything to do with you. Yo, for and you just try to just blindly hand them your ticket. <laughs> Man, I got. We could do a whole session on just experiences I have doing that. Just really? because New York is so crazy, it you, is. You though. just have like you'd be like, "Hey, check for a comedy show," and a guy turns around, he's like missing an eye, and he's like, "Hey, man, you want you want to like you want to smoke some like crack or some shit?" And you just like and you or you tap somebody on the shoulder, and they turn around, and they're just like fucking carrying just a torn out a bouquet of flowers they just tore out the street and fucking just walk around with like just like crazy people that in disguise you know just like crazy but as a 19 year old you meet people so quick when you're new in a town so i met so many people so many girls like oh my god like i would get like four numbers a night you know what i'm saying so for me i really didn't i wasn't paying rent at my my family's house so i was just like wasting my life away and then my mom was like, you know, you should go to college. You should go to college. And I'm like, I don't want to go to college. She's like, no, that's weird. It's a, you, you don't understand. To Europeans, that's fine. But to Americans, you're an outcast if you haven't gone to college. You wow. Know? How long was this, 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 this like, honeymoon period in New York? Two months, a month ago. <laughs> a month or two. Um, right. I felt uncomfortability. But at the same time, it was intriguing because like, it was like the acting thing. It mm. was like, I've never done this, but let's explore this deeper. Mm. And I met my what was my girlfriend-to-be the first day on the job. And uh, my life would have been completely different hadn't I met her. Because she, I was so, I became so madly obsessed with her. Like, a, way beyond anything like that I would call love now. It was like a different kind of it what, was just, what was it about that? I was just like, you know, I mean, if we get real for a second, let's go. I, 
even in Germany, I didn't hook up with that many girls. It was just like one of those things where, you know, I, I've had sex, but I was like awkward in high school. So it wasn't like that experience you think it would be, you know yeah. what I'm saying? So, but with her, this fine, fine Dominican girl, salsa <sighs> dancer and, and sophisticated. She was, she was a paralegal becoming a lawyer. Wow. And, um, yeah, man, she, she looked kind of like Zoe Zaldana, mm. but like in a in a in a suit, you know, mm. and uh, and she was just wild, man. I was just like, I became just so about being around her, taking her on dates, like you know, just 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 to 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 having sex with her and that whole thing, where where it was just literally my naive self completely giving her everything to a point where I even proposed to her. Wow. And uh, within like months of dating this girl, until I found out that she's got two other boyfriends. Whoa. You know what I'm saying? Wait, you proposed? You, yeah. You proposed to her? Yeah. You got a ring and everything? I did not get a ring. Uh, I feel you. It was more just like <laughs> one of those, tickets, like, uh, those like young, oh, young yeah. <laughs> in love, like, I really want to marry you. Let's get married. And she's like, yeah, let's do it. And oh. I'm like, wow, this is real love. You know what I'm saying? Like, she would go to the Dominican Republic, we would Skype for seven hours. Like that whole shit, and she had two other yeah. dudes. She had two other dudes, and the guy hit me up on Facebook was like, uh, "Yo, who's that girl on your profile pic?" And I'm like, "That's my girlfriend." He said, "Oh, yo, I think she's my girlfriend too." I'm like, "Ah, oh, fuck you, blah blah blah," and this whole thing unraveled. Did, what, what, did he hit you up? Was it like in a way of he was like, "Hey," he was trying to know because he already had caught on to her. He was a little older. Wow. He wasn't coming at you like. Yo, what no, the fuck? no, 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 no. He was like, at all. yo, I, I really think. I, yeah. it, his search began yeah. before he uh, even knew what the fuck was going on. And then we together on. found another dude. And then no. She, wait, oh, so were you like amicable with the guy too? You're yeah. Like, oh, so we you, hung out. Oh, so you guys were like, yeah. oh, shit. Y'all were over there to catch a predator. Yeah, spot, we exposed is, her. Oh. It was weird. It was cheaters. It was weird. But the thing is. <laughs> He was without the random. Yeah. Dude, I forget his like fucking cheaters beats like catfish. And like, what are you gonna say that, to him when you bust it? How does that feel? Oh for you? man! Whoa! Wait. But, so what the fuck, dude? It. I've never had a feeling. That's a rude awakening. Till then or since then, where your entire blissful existence <laughs> gets completely shattered. Oh. Where you're, I'm burping. I'm not crying. <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> you never know but which by the way i want to preface what i'm about to say next by i i completely got nothing to love her like she got married and i'm like i, I have no feeling of resentment now yeah but the first six months i was in that dark sunken place man bro oh what God, like kidding me like, take us through that you better like, be in that dark sunken that, place though. it was like it was like my parents were so worried i was like yeah because they all they hear when they call me is like yo she's so amazing she's so this she's so that to me being like life is meaningless like fucking <laughs> i can't make music i can't do shit i can't do shit i'm like literally paralyzed i'm like thinking of it crying in public kind of shit wow like where I'm like I'm not gonna How kill myself, unravel, but bro. I can get it. Like take, that's a movie. How did it unravel? Like how did it come out? Like yeah, I like, mean, what, what, like okay, so look, you guys are madly, you guys are literally FaceTiming and like Skyping for seven hours. This is bro, this is dedication. It was yeah, it was so like every time I spent with her, I just didn't want it to end, and it was just too. It wasn't healthy, man. It was yeah. obsession. That's not yeah. real love. You know Absolutely, and uh, it's lust. 
it's lust. It's it's everything. I just wanted her to completely be be mine all the yeah, time. Yeah. And uh, at the same time, I did not look at any other girl. Girls did not exist to me outside of her. Yeah. Which which is is yeah is 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 beautiful if I think about it now. But when he came out like that, it was just like wow, it was too good to be true, man. Because she was such a soft, like well spoken, kind, sweet girl. You know what I'm saying? And uh, but she always had weird stories. Like it was always her phone was ringing, she wouldn't pick it up. She always had like randomly had to go. Oh, I gotta go now. It's like wait, I thought we we're going to get lunch. It's like oh, I totally forgot. Like I have a job interview. And I'm uh. like oh really? How do you just like 3 p.m. like on a Saturday like <laughs> he's like yeah I was like you want me to take you no no they're gonna come pick me up it's fine like you can go and I'm like really and he's like yeah yeah it's really weird uh, but it's super nice of them and I'm like yeah that is kind of nice but you want to believe it <laughs> yeah for until real. you caught the person you want to believe that right. shit. Yeah. yeah and shouts to my mom for being like that's when she, for the first time, those words come out of her mouth when she was like, yo, if it smells, looks, and sounds like bullshit, it's bullshit, mm. you know? And she's right. Your mom's a thug, 99% bro. of the time. Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know, bro. She is. Uh, yeah, we'll get to that. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, man, it, it, was, it was crazy. And it, that's what made me a man. Because I was a kid that came to the U.S. and I was not ready for New York. I was just not ready. I wasn't making music. I wasn't on my grind. You know what I'm saying? Uh, but that shit, it made me so cold. Uh, for, for like two years, I was so cold with women that it took me a while to come back mm -hmm. to be like, yo, we're all people and every experience difference. But I did that same shit to other girls. Yeah. You know? And... It's uh, and this is really what the album is about as well. It's that whole seeing all sides of it. You know what I'm saying? Like they, yeah. when I say the album, they might have even loved me. Is about women in my life. It's not about hey, I'm this player dude. You know, like Mac, Mac and chicks or whatever. It's about everything. It's about everything. being naive. It's about being young in love. It's about being breaking hearts, getting heartbroken. It's about my mom. It's about... It's all-encompassing, bro. Yeah, it's about all these angles that I have had with, with the women in, in those formative years that, that really shaped who I am. And, um, yeah, that was... So that was that was just crushing. I was so depressed. And after a year in New York, I got rejected from NYU for the music program. The same program, actually, Gallant went to. So wow. I would have been in this class if I would have made it in. Wow. And... Um, Met some great musicians while I was applying, though. I met made some great friends. and, um, But I, I, I just was wasting my time. My parents were like, listen, you, you're just doing odd jobs. You're not going to school. Where, where's this going, man? It's been a year. We've been with you through, like, I'm going to move to the U.S., but you're not, you're not doing what, you're, what you said you wanted to do. Which, by the way, I moved to New York, and I applied to NYU for directing and screenwriting. Because after I did the movie, I was making beats, but I was like, I want to be a director. I want to tell stories on film. And, wow. But that didn't go very long because my mom was like, you know, if you if you make film, you're not going to make beats for eight hours a day. It's like, true shit. Yep. So I ended, up, I ended up abandoning that quickly. I always was obsessed with cinema. And uh, my mom was like, why don't you come to Miami? She, she moved to Miami when I was about 10. 
like that's when she left Milan. She moved back to U.S. Um, and uh, I was familiar with Miami already. I've been going back and forth there to visit her because those visits twice a year started to be to Miami from Germany. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I forgot to mention that. Uh, but basically, she was like, come to Miami. You're registered a uh, 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 citizen here because I'm here. So you can go to college for free. You know, you go to community college, do your, you know, like your associate or whatever. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let me do that. I can stay with her and uh, I, I'm going to study music. So I studied music business uh, in Miami. And uh, I mean... Fast forward, once you've lived on your own, moving back in with your mom is, I couldn't advise you to do that. It's yeah. very hard, you know, Absolutely. especially when you, as you're becoming a man and you're trying to like be wild. And I was like 20, 21. Yeah. And coming back from that experience I had in New York, I was literally just trying to like just smash, man, all the time. Yeah. I was just like literally, okay, I'm, I'm studying music. You know, I had a little job uh, uh, tutoring or, or, or working with kids. Or, or little job. I mean, it was it, it meant a lot to me actually, but um, it was just like yeah, I was working with the kids. It was like 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 a a program like in the hood in Miami, um, where uh, I was doing like after school work with them, doing their homework, arts for awesome. learning, that kind of thing. I love man, I love working with kids. Uh, I always always have that had actually to be super gratifying. Kinda... Dude, it's amazing. Especially, did y'all see Moonlight? No. Oh my God. Really want to see it. I can't you. even with y'all. Really. Like, <laughs> fucking fuck us. Oh my I God. I, I, I agree with him. Too. Yeah. Best I movie of like the last. I mean, really? It's one of the all time favorites. Yeah. That shit is like Casablanca, bro. But but the movie, I don't want to give too much away, but it starts with 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 kids in the hood in Miami. Yeah. And it's so well shot, and it deals with issues that I was having on a daily basis with these kids. Wow. And like kids whose parents are are serious drug addicts, drug dealers, mm. thugs, real hardened thugs, in and out of jail. And these kids are seven years old, talking about they want to be musicians and draw, and they want to do this. And then their dad comes to pick me up, and 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 he's got tattoos on his face, and he's my age. And I'm trying to teach them something that when they get home, they're like, "Don't listen to that light skinned nigga." You know what I'm saying? Don't listen to that. Wow. So I'm like fighting their parents, but I'm also fighting the schools because they're overwhelmed and underpaid, and they're just trying to give the kids things to do. Yeah. And meanwhile, my boss at the time was like, "You know, I've been doing this for 40 years. I've had their parents here. Some of them had their grandparents here, and I've seen so many of my kids go to jail for life." Cycle. Or get shot. We got wow. so many kids whose older brothers got killed. Miami's one of the roughest streets in the U.S., if not the world. Yeah. Like, people forget. That's like some borderline favela shit you got going on out there. Wild. Where we've had shootings on the facility, on the premises of the of the after-school program. Like a community center. Oh, yeah. And the kids weren't even phased. The kids were like, "Yo, I saw the gun. I saw the gun. I saw him shoot the guy." Blah blah. I'm like, "Are you okay? Are you? How you? How are you?" It's like, "Yeah, whatever." And they started doing their homework like nothing happened. Yo. And I'm just like, "Wow, I'm fucking blessed. Like I'm going through shit, but I'm blessed. Like, wow. Like like coming from from suburban Germany where I thought I was being hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, And to see these kids." Like their vernacular and their whole, it was it was crazy to me. 
and um i always wanted to do something with that i still i still do like my long-term plan is to start a school um something like jake and i've been discussing and things like that you know where i i, I want to outside of the music you know what i'm yeah. saying like thinking bigger than, than yeah. that uh but that so that was my my job and and i went to went to school every day and then rest of the time i made beats i was busking in the street you know i, I used to play for money a lot in that time mm. and um how was that for you it was amazing so many like so many transformative experiences bro I mean, that's why I did it. I I never bust to really for the money. It was more just to sing and just 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 express. You know, I I just want to be out there. I just want to see people. I love watching people. I love singing, and I met so many great souls doing that. Because as much as Miami is not conducive for you know, or, or doesn't doesn't foster songwriters like that, it they really appreciate it. Yeah. You know, like people really love classic rock and folk music. People forget that side about about uh, uh, that part of the South. And um, interesting, I met Dave Chappelle Buskin at one a.m. Wow. Just him and me, him sitting down listening to me play, being just like, "Yo, man!" Like we were having a real conversation and shit. That's wild, this is bizarre, right? wow. bizarre. I got crazy stories like that. And Buskin was. I still like doing. I used to do it when I come to LA, but then I got so busy. I would do it now if I, if I, you know, if I wasn't like in this album process right now. Yeah. But um, I always loved that, even in New York, like in the subways, like playing and oh, singing. You see that. Yeah, definitely. And uh, basically, after a year, you know, I was, um, you know, my mom was going through her thing. Um, you know, part of my mom's life story. Which, which which I should also like mention. It's hard to say this like in passing, but my mom, when I was f- fourteen, remarried and had another child. Mm-hmm. Wow! And my baby brother, who's turned ten in January. Wow! And um, man, I mean, his dad is is not um, is is just not a, a, a easy to say the least. And they had a very huge falling out uh, to a point like they've been in and out of court for about eight years now. Wow! And and it, man, it was so it got so crazy. My mom, when I was fourteen, when I was fifteen, you know, he was emotionally abusive. Like he never hit her, but he was emotionally very abusive. And she came to Germany for my birthday. She always come came to see me on my birthday. So I was about sixteen. So she stayed with us with the with the boy and he filed for divorce and it looks like we were going to lose and she was going to lose custody because she left the country and he made it sound like she ran away mm. that kind of shit wow and my dad very is, manipulative yeah and my and this is my my dad is such a you know he has such a strong sense of family he loves my mom to death still and he was just like all right how how we do how do we approach this wow you know and now we had we had this two-year-old in our house my dad starts to like tr- treat him like his kid and so we were just like, yo, what if we go to like, what if we just don't go back to the U.S.? And uh, the fr- that was the first time talks came up about fleeing to Costa Rica, which is what we ended up doing. And Wait, my, my, what my dad, the fuck? Bro, it is so crazy. It is so fucking crazy. 
but my dad drove them. Yeah. Long story wow. short, we we her and the kid fled to Costa Rica, and lived there for three years. Wow. And I stayed there part of time with them, and I would, <coughs> I would sometimes get an excuse from school to be with them, and I guess only a few teachers knew why I was gone, and and it was. Uh, Oh, that was it was so crazy but it was paradise because she had a new name she had a fake identity and she, she was like the single mom in the town where the town loved her my mom speaks really good spanish and italian and it was so tropical my dad this was when my dad was doing really well he paid for her house there he got her car and she was just living she was making jewelry she was giving people readings like she's an astrologer giving people readings and wow. stuff and and the kid was going to kindergarten there and everybody nobody really asked where she was from it was just like it was a town for like escaped westerners everybody was like this hippie and they all had a story they didn't talk about some people <laughs> wow that's a trip it was weird and we didn't notice till we were there that so many people were american british and spoke spoke english and they all were just not, they were nice, they were nice, but there was something in their past while they were there. Isn't oh. there a place in Costa Rica that's like called Germantown? I don't know. I think there's I like a know. big German community actually in I Costa Rica. I mean, there Rica. is all over South America, for sure. Mm. Uh, but, yo, wow. that time was so crazy when I was there. It was like Costa Rica still has untouched rainforest. And they, they they got rid of their militaries, put all their money in education and medicine. So Costa Rica is a is a extremely beautiful place in 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 all of its in many facets, you know. And I mean, meanwhile, her, his dad was going insane naturally. Yeah, he's like, I don't know where my kid is now. You know what I'm saying? So he went from the boy who cried wolf to being like, fuck, I really don't know where my kid is. Now. Yeah. So it got to a point where he, I mean, the FBI got involved, Interpol had her on the most wow. wanted list. She was like on the front page of Interpol. Holy and, shit. And, and I'm just in high school in Germany and people always like, hey, Noah, how's it going? I'm like, I'm just like, I'm making music. I'm You're dancing. dealing with this throughout that? Yeah. It was, and it was just like, bizarre and like my friend is like yo where's your mom and like i told like two of my friends like chris my b-boy homie like i told him like but not a lot of people knew and rightfully so yeah it was it was some real stealth shit where i found out later that they were like low-key like they were like it was like it was literally like a movie like we would look outside i would look outside my house and there would be a car park with a dude inside <laughs> for for days oh wow you know what i'm saying and how it ended how it ended unfortunately was that the fbi uh, 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 followed us and took pictures they tracked our plane uh, our flight history and they found her and uh they bribed costa rican government officials and overnight they just arrested her took the baby from her put her in uh in a holding kind of like a costa rican women's jail where you have laundry and that kind of thing, but they take your papers so you can't go anywhere. Wow. And they were just figuring out for half a year what happens to her. And uh, she basically, we didn't know where the kid was. My grandfather called me in the middle of the night. He's like, Noah, I don't know how to say this, but your mom got arrested last night. Oh we we don't know where the baby is, but 
probably his dad took him and uh I still remember that day, man. I still remember being there with my girlfriend at the time and she didn't know any of this. She didn't know any of this, you know? And then she's like, I got to tell you this. This is what's been going on. And it was too much for her her head to process. I mean, the, I I broke up with her shortly after that. But um it was it was crazy because she got deported and the day she steps off the plane she's greeted by FBI agents yeah. and they take her straight to American jail, you know, and then she was prosecuted for kidnapping and then she, wow. yeah. And then she did about a year in, in County jail in Miami, Oh my God! Uh, which <laughs> dude, for my mom, if you guys knew my mom, I wish, I wish she could have been here tonight, but you'll meet her. She's still around yeah. uh, uh, visiting, uh, highly intellectual, like she's written books on the real estate, mm. started a real estate career. She's currently a book publisher and book editor. Wow. You know, like she was high school, like she was a child prodigy. She was one of the first really? kids. Yeah, she was one of the first kids in America in the 70s. They, they were sending kids to college out of uh, 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 middle school. So she was offered to take college classes when she was about 12. Holy shit. Like spelling bee champion. The same girl that had to run away. Yeah, same girl. Because she was always a victim of her beauty. Always. Her whole life. And she's the kind of person like like an Obama. Like like she could have been a Supreme Court judge. You know wow. what I'm saying? But came, coming from an abusive household, you know, she was just, I just want to get the fuck out of here. I yeah. don't want to finish school. Yeah. And she just rebelled so hard from having to, to, to get good grades and that whole thing. She <coughs> completely bounced back the other way. Wow. And, um, you know, from her getting arrested in Costa Rica and doing jail time, now I'm taking time out of high school to visit her in prison. You know what I'm saying? Jesus. Where I tell my teachers, like, listen, there's no nice way to say it, but my mom needs to see somebody when she gets out. I got to be there, you know. And How was that for you? Like all of like all, like all of this, uh, I I. It was just bizarre because that had to be the fucking wait, twilight zone. And, and bro. how old yeah. were you right here? I was <coughs> eighteen. All right, so you. This is before I moved to the U.S. Yeah, yeah. Right before. Holy shit. That's so when I moved to the U.S., she was on house arrest when I lived in New York. See, that's a crazier dynamic to. To, to go to the U.S. with that looming and that oh, yeah. a huge part Yo, of it. for fucking yeah. real, bro. Like, oh, it was bizarre. It's not like, oh, let's go. It's not like the um, blank, you know, uh, blank canvas. You're going there and there's this huge weight there. Absolutely. There's a tornado that passed through and there's a perpetual fog there, bro. It <laughs> was, <laughs> it's just, you know. There's gloom. Yeah, and that was the whole thing. So she was like my also my whole time. You know, I'm saying I go to New York and I go to Miami. I also went to Miami to just be with her, you know, because she was starting her life over. Yeah, and she was in and out of court. You know, what I'm saying like trying to make you know start a new business, and which there's nobody like my mom to start a new business. Like she'll make she'll start something today and pay paying a rent with it in two months. She has done this many times throughout my life, you know. Yeah, and. So I was helping her a little bit with with that. She started a local ad paper, selling advertising, and I was like delivering it while I'm tutoring the kids and that whole thing. And uh, 
But eventually, man, if you live like in one bedroom with your mom and her new boyfriend, it's you're gonna clash. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yeah, hundred percent. Especially at that age. At, yeah, I'm and 20, with that dynamic, like I'm that, 21. That yeah, man, I'm trying to like I I'm trying to be out of school. I'm I, I got no money. Meanwhile, you know I'm I'm. I got to do chores. I got to do all these things. Uh, and then you're back like, at the home. Yeah. And then we're having like, you know, I'm being patronized. And then we're having a whole discussion, the whole like, where were you at when I was a kid? That kind of thing, oh, which no. is like really shitty because like we said, like my mom was also a child when she had me. Right. And God, you know, God bless her soul. Like I love her to death. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and she's been through so, so, so much. And I, after a while, like in Miami, I was just fed up with that town. I was like, there's nothing here for me, man. Mm -hmm. Like, this is not the kind of music I want to make. I was into MGMT and Frank Ocean dropped his record. Mm -hmm. And I was just like, I'm not like the party fucking TJ Khaled. It doesn't feel like home. Yeah, it didn't feel like home. And people were always bullshitting. People would be late. I was trying to... I was trying to do everything I can to be in music, and I, I I was playing I was playing piano at a jazz bar. You know what I'm saying? I was busking. I was not sure what I would do, but I always try to do something. You were putting yourself out there. Yeah, exactly. I was like going to meet with DJs to see, watch the mix, and then I was working on my little record, which was like just in, instrumental music. But it meant it meant a lot to me at the time. And the funny thing is that my mom, through this whole time, she's watching me. She's watching me busk every night and then make beats. And he's like, son, why why aren't you playing guitar in your music? I'm like, oh, that's not me. That's not me. He's like, why don't you sing? I'm like, because I don't have a voice. I can't sing like 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 Usher. I can't sing like these people. Mm. Like, I'm not a singer. I'm a producer. Like, I'm, I just want to be in the, in the background. Wow. And she's like, son, you're wasting your time. And then we had a fight over that. Oh my god. You know what god. I'm saying? And I'm like he's like you don't understand like the singer with the guitar like that's corny like Jason Mraz like these people in my head that's kind of you know like that's the era we're living in. Yeah. Bruno yeah, yeah. Mars just had his first couple hits. So for me the guy singing with acoustic guitar was not me. I was so anti-pop at the time. Um but she was right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It was like my career started time to happen. Time and time again, mom's words. Bro, it, was, it wasn't until I started putting my voice on record and started laying down songs I wrote on guitar that people started to listen. True. And were like, who the fuck is this? You know, what do you, why do you think that incredible. was? Because it was, I mean, first of all, I'm not going to be oblivious to archetypes in music you know what i'm saying there is there is a a a, a mixed dude with a with an electric guitar that pops up every 20 years that's just you know from like jimmy to prince to lenny kravitz to eagle cherry or whoever yeah. and i'm not you know i'm not saying I'm, I'm the next prince or whatever but it is something that when people see it 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 they already they fill in the blanks you know, they see me, they meet me, they're like, oh, the guitar and, and, and contemporary production, and they, they feel like, oh, this makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and that is something really interesting also about timing. And I needed to not do that for so many years for it to make sense now. Because if I had done that three years earlier, I might have given up mm. because people might have not have been ready for me to do what I'm doing. 
So it's it's really interesting. Timing is very important. Yeah, it is super important. And a lot of times, timing is out of our control. Yeah. What, what, yeah. what was that like for you to move into that space from the back end producer to now being in the forefront with the new with one being in the front to mm. being this new artist part of you yeah you know what was that kind of like did you feel like it was a transformation did it take time were you un- uncomfortable well i always sang i just um when my voice changed during like puberty i i just didn't know how to apply my voice because i couldn't sing high anymore um that it, it it wasn't that drastic of a change it felt a little more exciting because I was always writing songs and making productions, but I, I gave it to my friends. I was like, yo, you want to sing this? You want to perform this record? Mm. And then I realized that a lot of times they would kind of change it or butcher the song. And, you know, I it was just one of those things where I, I just loved my own demos at some point. I was mm. like, maybe I should be on this, you know. And But I didn't release my first artist record you know, I, I did a ton of remixes and in Miami got into house music and wanted to do electronic production. I'm still like trying to figure out, am I going to be a DJ? Am I going to be like, you know, like, like David Dan, that, I was, I was trying to be like that. Yeah. And, but then I have this whole guitar thing and then I'm also playing piano and I'm like, still not sure. Like, but you're at, like what I love about the nuances in your story mm. is that you're actively trying to figure it out. Yeah. Like I you're mean, doing things beyond like who what what like what percentage of artists are out here like busking and like being comfortable doing that? You know what I'm saying? For some people it's just beneath them. Yeah. Right? Totally. Or it's like, mm, I don't and you're doing this and you're in Miami and you're you're playing on you're playing the subway in New York. <clears throat> you're going to you're going to DJ's cribs to learn how to mix. Yeah, you're, you're immersing yourself in a you're immersing yourself in it. I mean, right. yeah, it goes back to like you know, just trying things, but also that kind of thing, you know, about like learning and being adaptive. You know, where where this guy had a piano and he's starting a bar and he's like, "Hey, do you play the piano?" I was like, "Yeah." It's like, would you be down to accompany these musicians like four nights a week or whenever? I was like, sure, I've never done it, but why not? And then I realized that that was a waste of time after a while because that whole place didn't have their shit together. But it was a good way for me to figure out who I, what I don't want to be. Mm-hmm. And and right around that time, I was going to college. I wasn't going to UM, but I was hanging out there a lot. And the dean for the music school, Frost, Shelly Burke, one of the greatest jazz piano players of, of our time, of the wow. century, Really? Oh, he's one of the top five uh, jazz oh, piano players. Wow. And uh, he, somebody sent him my resume and he asked to meet me. And I, I went to the interview and, you know, he pretty quickly was like, you know, I would love for you to come to our school and not worry about it to, to, to you know, come for our piano jazz program. And wow. I was just like... I was like honored, but I was also playing the interview role, interviewee role. Where I was like, "Yeah, I would really, you know, I would love to do this." But on the way home from that interview, I was like, "I don't want to study jazz in Miami for four years. Mm. Fuck that! I hate Miami." You know, like mm. I'm to be a jazz pianist. You got to be a jazz musician. Period. Right. Like really, really, really well. 
you got to listen to jazz all the fucking time. And I wanted more than that. I wanted to produce indie records. I wanted to be like, you know, like your Pharrell's and, and Paul Epworth and P- these kind of danger mouse, you know, like I wanted to score films and that whole thing. So I was like, this feels like a waste of time. Mm. And once I realized that, I was like, maybe I should go to LA. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, where are all these people at? Where, like, all, mm. all you know, like, and, and I, and, and like I said, I was so obsessed with film coming to the US. I was like, maybe this is how I can, you know, get, like, scratch that itch and be like, you know, I started looking up all these composers and and labels that I liked, like Flying Lotus, like Brain Feeder, mm-hmm. the Car Park Records, and um, I realized, oh shit, everything's in LA. Maybe yeah. I gotta go there. And around the same time, my boy, um, my buddy Dylan Reynolds, he uh, he asked me to play with him, and he's. Uh, He's part of like the the most dope crew, Mac Miller mm. and his label. So he was like, "Hey man, I'm going out to stay at Max House, and, and we're going to get ready for like tour. I'm probably going to sign his label. Would you like to play?" Dylan Reynolds. Where? He was like, "Yeah, would you like to be part of my band?" And he's a he's like a folk singer. Yeah. And he was like, "No, I like you to to him. He was like, you're the best piano player I know. I would love like he's he's pretty much like my best friend in the U.S." Mm. And at the time, he's from Pittsburgh, and I, I stayed with his family in Pittsburgh on and off when I didn't have, like, a place to stay. When I was in between New York, waiting to get a ticket to Miami, I would wow. stay in Pittsburgh with his family. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, I spent a lot of How'd time in Pittsburgh. How'd you guys meet? When I applied for NYU, I did the tour of the Clive Davis program of recorded music, and... When the tour ended, all the kids or the tour guy would take all the people and their parents back down. And I snuck back to the studio where there were classes in session. And I, I stuck my head into a class that was Yo. just ending. Oh. I, was, I stuck my head into a class that was ending and, I, and, I, and Dylan's brother was just getting out of class. And I was like, yo, bro, do they have MPCs in here? He was like, yeah, we got like four of them. I was like, like my mind. Whoa. I was like, yo, you got, they let you record in here? Timing, bro. Yeah. And he was like, yeah, dude, who are you? And I'm like, yo, I'm <laughs> I'm just this producer from Germany. I want to come here. And he's like, yeah, you got beats? And he started, he's like an artist. So he's thinking <laughs> yo, like, yeah. let me, let me yeah. see if this is what this, this kid got. Yeah. So he takes me to a studio and I started playing all these beats and he's just like, yo, yo this is fire, that is man. That's a wild opportunity, dude. That's so fucking yeah, random. It was so funny. And that's how I ended up being that's connected so with all these NYU kids, although Holy I didn't go to school fuck. there. That's lit. Yo, talk it's about so bizarre. creating your opportunity. Shit. Yeah. And that's how I met uh galant's old producer felix snow and uh a lot of people from that circle who, who i never went to the school but i you know i ended up through association being around him and then i ended up meeting galant like three years ago through those connections and we were just like you know like we were shooting pool and we were like oh like you make music oh me too like and i remember writing down galant looking him up you know, he just put out an EP. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's cool. That's what's up. You know, like connecting, meeting people in LA. You start to begin to realize, especially the ones that are active in their pursuits. Yeah. Right? Whether they're completely at one with it or not. But like if you're active in your pursuit, you start to realize 
how small this world really is. Bro. Bro, I met I met Galant about a year and a half before Jake did. And I wow. never and I never thought of that interaction until I met Third Brain. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I was like, Oh, y'all managed that dude. I remember that guy. And but me being in at NYU that day, the he that was day, he kind that of class. That class. That timing of you running that that the, yeah. the tour ending and you running down there. Dude. And the fact that like <laughs> dude Dylan's brother was the one that you spoke to. Yeah, dude. John shouts to John. Imagine if Record. you let one of them pass He's, and talk to the other kid, like the Korean kid coming out, and he'd be like, Yeah, yeah I'm, I got I gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, John could have been just like rude as fuck. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, but, yeah, bro. And then, I was like, no, yeah. we don't have any NPCs. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, None. exactly. But he was just, he's a very cool, like, uh, a charismatic guy. He actually reminds me of my dad a lot. And since this day, he kind of became my songwriting mentor because John, Dylan's older brother, is a, a genius. Like, he is a full fledged literary genius like he's wow. a proper writer and um it's 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 really interesting he was the one who told me like yo you got all these beats but where are your songs bro oh and then i started wow. writing songs That's lit. and then i showed him my songs and he was like yeah but like listen to this why are you so afraid of pop there's no structure i'm like fuck i gotta listen to this and then he was like listen to this jason Mraz record you hear how compressed the vocals are you hear our diss sounds you know, like your mixes need to breathe. You need oh, to, wow. you know what I'm saying? Because he's going to one of the best music schools in the country. And he's a savant already. Yeah. And, uh, but he was always, I feel like his weak point was more production. Mm-hmm. And he saw how much I was like, I've, I've made my fucking 8,000 beats by the time I moved to the US. Yeah. So he saw how quickly I can put stuff together and that I had a sensitivity for. NERD as much as uh, uh, classical music or other things. Absolutely. So he kind of helped channel that. He introduced me to Frank Ocean. He introduced me to... He actually... Yo, real talk. Yeah. He met Lana Del Rey when she was Lizzie. Oh, wow. And and he sent it to his manager, who ended up being my old manager, who sent it to her A&R at Interscope, who signed her, and that was that. <laughs> Wow! But he was he was like, "Yo, I found this girl. Listen to her MySpace," and they were like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." And he was like, "Nah, listen to her MySpace. This <laughs> is this is some like fucking Marilyn Monroe '60s shit." Wow! And, and a few weeks later, like, "Yo, this is insane. Who is this girl? Is she signed?" They ended up signing her. Wow. He never got a cut. Never ever <laughs> spoke about it. Same with uh, Wiz Khalifa. He had Wiz Khalifa on records. Like they grew up. <laughs> went to high school together like john is one of those characters that people just like pass through and by him and he's like that person is the shit oh and wow. people usually don't believe him he's at the rainmaker he's like that mac same thing and and then and at some point throughout over the last two years or like two years ago he was like you know what i feel like you're that person where I never want to lose touch with you because mm. Lizzie and I were really close. Wiz and I were really close and they dipped and now I can't get a hold of them. And I never want that to happen with you. And I'm like, of course, man. I mean, we have a deeper relationship. Yeah. yeah. But it's a brotherhood. It's almost. it's a funny thing. And he's always been a person where I, I trust his ear a lot. 
you know what I'm saying? And 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 like I said, I always refer to him as as like a, a songwriting mentor of mine because he always keeps it 100. Yeah. And um, it's wild how small this world is, bro. Like Clockwork Max DJ now. Mm. I met when I was on tour with you and I, and he was Talib's DJ. Oh wow, Clockwork's the man. That's I love my Clockwork. G, dog. Clock is my G, bro. Like, I'm talking, literally, we were on the road with Kwali and High Tech, Mm -hmm. and we were like, where are we going to stay? And Clock would always be like, bro, just come to my room. Oh, amazing. Dude, and he's known, like, I've I've had other people tell me that, that he he, he let me crash when we didn't know where to go. Like, Like, bro, we're over there having Mm. super soaker fights, like, traveling through the fucking states. Like, it's lit. And then the wild thing is, it's like, Spintelect, the homie from out here is now Talib's DJ. It's just like this whole, this whole world, yo, and that trips me out. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. It's so crazy. And I mean, through that whole thing. It's literally your pursuit of happiness happening right now. It is. It is. Absolutely. All of us. All of us, man. It's, It's so crazy how this shit works. And he was... Yeah, he was like, yo, I got this little brother, he's your age, and you guys should start a band, man. His name's Dylan, he's a crazy guitar player. And from that point on, we've been like super thick, and me crashing at their spot, and they became like my adopted family while I was going wow. going through my shit with the girl yeah. and that whole thing. And, uh, and um, yeah, and he took me, you know, we played a few gigs, I ended up playing South By with him like three years ago. But at, in his band, you know what I'm saying. In 2014, yeah, we're playing oh, playing shit. with Mac and 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 like, you know, like it was more like that, like you know, like that whole crew, like yeah, like most dope and those those dudes and um, yeah, man, I, I got a lot of love, love, man, for for his family in, in particular, Pittsburgh and and and. Yeah, that whole that whole world, and now I'm actually I'm working on on his new record, which uh, you know I'm I'm excited for, and yeah, that's that's how. I mean, I'm trying to think right now. Yeah, that's that that's why I moved to L.A. Really, I already thought about it, but he called me. I was I was in John or Dylan. Dylan. He called me. He was like, yo, man, I'm moving to L.A. You got to come with me. And I'm like, all right, let's do it. Let's go. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Let's go. And and it, it just worked out. It's funny how it works out. My lease was just up. Yeah. I was just figuring out what's going on. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> dude, coming to L.A. was was also was a trip because um, – so I don't know, like, like if we ever talk about this, but my my godmother is Shaka Khan, and she, no, that was that was definitely omitted not, from the conversation. Okay, you know, like you, you know, like All right, ladies and gentlemen, ladies we're, hey, yeah, we're great. done. Yeah, Mom, thank you, guys. Mom, we made it. We got it. See ya. You're done. They're just they're, guys. They're just walking away from me. They're just walking away from me. I don't know if we touched on this, y'all, but like you know, I just don't know because you know, like. We have I, been dipping and dabbling, but I think if we heard Shaka's name come up, it'd be like a, a move. You know what I mean? So that's like from the old days from my dad. You know what I'm saying? But get back here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not done here, younger. I got a lot more stories to tell. Um, 
Yeah, but it was basically one of those things where we hadn't talked to her in a minute. And, you know, like some blogs, like, like I, I think like a PR agent, <coughs> a PR agent like three years ago, like made that part of the press kit. And since then, like some, some nice blogs mentioned that as like, oh, Shaka Khan's godson is doing this soul thing. But I'm not trying to, that is completely yeah, yeah, separate yeah. No, from my yeah, brand. Yeah, totally, shit. totally. But, but um, at the same time, when I moved to LA, my dad was like, well, let me call up Shaka and see if you can stay at her house. I'm like, of course. So we talked. She ended up being in tour in Germany. They hung out. And she was like, of course. Why didn't you tell me that he's coming? He doesn't know anybody in LA. And my dad was like, nah. So wow. that, <laughs> that, but get this. <laughs> oh, wait, hold the fuck up. <laughs> Hey, now Lena, you come the fuck back here when you're sitting down right now. But look, Lena, oh. Lena, wild. No, <laughs> yo, Lena's gonna get the wild shout out every single fucking podcast <laughs> yeah. from now on. Um, the meme has been made already. Um, wait, <laughs> it's hold on. Let me. No, no, I need, I need to gather myself. You finish texting there and get that, like, get that Sorry, like, No, don't fucking, my, my, don't my worry. I'm, I'm gathering myself. <laughs> he, he had to, like, run back. That's my mom. No, stop. <laughs> Wait, so, you're, at, like, deciding to go to L.A. Yeah. <laughs> Shaka comes back in the play. Yeah. Okay. She happens to be in fucking Germany at the time. Correct. Her and Pops just have a convo like, wait, you didn't. No, 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 no. Wait, it uh, sounds like it was all easy, but he had to drive to the other side of Germany and they, it was just crazy. Like trying to get backstage and convey to them that he's well, like, that's, there. like okay, it was crazy. That Okay, yeah. so I appreciate the craziness. Yeah. And then I, I, and then I <laughs> you just made it sound all easy. Like she just came by and then it was I like, feel like, you. You just made it sound like Shaka popped up out of nowhere, too. So love yeah. on both accounts here. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, shout out to dad for, like, look, it also goes to show that parents will do whatever the fuck is necessary for their kids. That's like that, like, unlimited unconditional love type shit like that is a move in which okay let me try and call let me try and get in contact pops was like okay you know what and he's also been he's still a manager too yeah it's like i'm gonna go back there i'm gonna fucking speak to to shaka on behalf of 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 my son and her godson and and try and figure it out if it didn't happen i'm sure he would have got to her wherever the fuck she ended up right Yo, yeah, absolutely. Sorry not to cut you no, off. No, you're good. But cut a lot of people a lot of people don't notice about Shaka, but she dated my the how this whole thing happened. She dated one of my dad's best friends for almost a decade. Wow. And she lived in Germany for almost a decade. She speaks German. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Nobody knows this about her. But she used to be in South Germany, fucking bum fuck Germany where I'm from and used to like live there for months and she used to babysit me. And that's how that whole thing. Wow. And, like she was still like whip out some German from time to time. Yes. She's, she's a G. That's some thugness. You know, but it's, it's, yeah, it's a bit of a sore subject. So I, I guess she doesn't really showcase that much, but, um, she's always been close with my dad. And, uh, the, the crazy part is that I'm going to LA almost with a little bit of an ego. Like, all right, I'm going 
real estate, Shaka's house, and I'm going to be really? like, I'm going to meet all these guys. I'm going to like meet, oh, yeah, yeah. meet Quincy Jones, and he's going to realize that I'm like the, this mm. guy. I get to her house, Shaka ain't home. You know what I'm saying? She's yeah. on tour. Yeah. Nobody knows I'm coming. And her 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 uh, uh, sister Takaboom, who's a, uh, one of the singers in Parliament, uh, uh, George Clinton, and them. Wow. And <coughs> she opens the door in a bathrobe. You know, I'm standing there, guitar in hand, uh, a suitcase in the other. And she's like, "Hey, baby, what are you doing here?" I'm like, "Hey, I'm uh, Shaka said I, sh- I should I can stay here." Wait, Shaka's not here. She's on tour. I'm like, well, is there, can I come in? She's like, the whole house is full. Like, our cousin's on the couch. Like, this guy's standing. I'm like, oh, word. Well, I'm in Marina del Rey. I just, I got off the plane an hour ago. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Three hours ago. He's like, okay, well, let me figure it out. Uh, Let me call her. I'm like, all right. (laughs) You walked in, you saw Quincy like sitting on the couch, like sipping tea. Oh, uh, <laughs> bro. I had you opened the door, twisted. you're like, wait, what? I had it all twisted. She, <laughs> and she was like, you know, it might be best if you find a place to stay for the night and we'll figure it out. So I'm like, all right. I get a cheap ass motel in Marina del Rey like, like, or Venice. Like, when I say cheap ass motel, I'm talking like 90 bucks. Wes Craven, Tarantino yeah. kind of shit, you know. Ooh, like, there's definitely like where there's like a metal chain around the TV, so you don't steal it and fucking, you know what I'm saying? Like all beige, monochrome. Oh my god! <laughs> but they have HBO out of nowhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like and they got a jacuzzi. Like better not have a black light on you. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, just nasty. like one of those motels that they say like they still say color TV. Like that's like. A, a special Bro. thing to have yeah. right now and, straight up and i'm just like i got like 300 dollars to my name you know what i'm saying the motel is 100 bucks i'm like how where is this gonna go <laughs> and the next day because you're not a tourist anymore you're like yo i'm trying to move i this is all my stuff you know what i'm saying this is all i have right now. and and i go back to the house and she's like yeah we, this is very unexpected you can't stay here Ooh. i'm like all right well well, I guess I got to find a Starbucks and get a flight to Pittsburgh. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's what I did. I, like, literally the next day, I went to Starbucks, bought a flight, called Dylan. Like, yo, Dylan, can I stay with you? He's like, of course. Let's hang out. Let's fucking, you know, like, make some music. Fly to Pittsburgh. Wow. You stepped wow. up in the L.A. and flew right back. <laughs> yeah, right like, back. Hey, how you I was doing? there for, I'm out. I was there for 30 hours, maybe. <laughs> and yo, I, I tell my dad, he's furious. He's like, what the fuck? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Coincidentally, he ends up at a convention in Monaco. He meets this guy, uh, Ken Rose, who is a co-producer on the Grammys and the Critics' Choice Awards. He does sponsorship for all these award shows. He goes, yeah, my son is like stranded. He was trying to move to L.A. a month ago, and it's just not going well. He's like, well, why doesn't he stay with me, dummy? Like, I have a family. I have a house in the valley. And he's like, really? He's like, of course. I, like, I have people over all the time. So from Pittsburgh, I'll go right back to L.A. <laughs> this guy, Ken, picks shout me up. Shout out to your dad, though. <laughs> oh, bro. Oh. Shout outs to Ken and my dad. To Ken and your Ken, dad. Ken Rose, my, 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 my new dad out here. He, he took me in with his family. 
and he that's he that's why I graduated to LA living. Like because he I became like his assistant for a few weeks on producing these shows. And he driving around the car, taking meetings, mm. meeting like fucking uh uh you know, people like people from like like Earth, Wind, and Fire to like the producers of the Grammys to oh, like wow. to like uh, 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 Monty Python's people. Uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, John Goldstein, I think, and like <clears throat> these old school Hollywood, yeah, fucking writers and taking notes, literally taking notes for him and him being like, "This is L.A. This is how you go. This is this is this street is what you take. You don't go up su- sunset. You take this street." You know what I'm saying? And like being like this is when you have to leave if you want to come from the valley to Hollywood. Wow. He's just yeah. like telling me the ropes. You on the yeah. Floor. yeah, and we were like driving, he's got his headset and he's like, you got to be assertive as hell out here. I want you to make a resume and I want you to apply for like 40 places by Wednesday because you got to, you don't want a job, you want any job because most people think they got to be, they want to be the musician and find wow. something cool. It's like, I don't give a fuck what if you're a barista. Check. He was like, I don't care if you're a barista or nothing. You need to pay your rent and then we can build on your music. Wow, that. that's exactly. a blessing. Especially bro. from somebody of that caliber. Yeah, because he's done it, bro. He's mm. done it. And he, like, he's been an engineer out of Abbey Road. He's fucking like, done the whole thing. Fuck. Um, and he he got me a place within three weeks of coming to LA. He got me he got me a job or helped me you know, find a job and do my resume. And then I did like PA jobs on on the Critics Choice Awards, and which really wasn't my thing. But um, he's still he's still like I I still you know see him I I you know like I, his kids like we hang out I go to the valley and you know it's like family yeah um and and that jump started my life in LA. And I'm still in that same apartment. I I added a space to it. My landlord let me renovate and, and build a studio there. But it kind of, over the last three years, I turned it into a spot, you know? That's awesome. Incredible. And, um, That's amazing. Yeah, it's weird. Like, you never hear somebody stayed in one place in L.A., you know, the first apartment. And yeah. I was... Whoa. I was really... <laughs> the mic's trying to make out and shit. Uh... But that was it. Was really, really, really interesting um, to see that side of Hollywood, because that is the cliche. That's winding down, you know. That's not your like a uh, 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 brain feeder or like no selection and and that that's whole old money, baby. thing. That's that's a whole nother world. Like, yeah. If you ask them, like, if I if if you ask him who's who's Banks, who's uh, Who's Gallant? Or no idea. No idea. No. He did not care about my music. He was like, recognized that I'm a, I'm a I'm a decent player. Yeah. But he was just like, oh, those beats. Oh, that's kind of weird. Whatever. I'm just <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. And I'm telling him like, yo, have you heard of the Frank Ocean album? Because he was coordinating Frank Ocean's Grammy show. He was like, yeah, that kid. I don't know. I don't get it. Like that's pretty weird. And um, I was like, wow, you you. You don't, you get, don't it. get it. Yeah. yeah. But it's it's different because he's more traditional. Like Absolutely. he likes he's like, you know, he gave me like Tori Kelly's C D and was like, listen to this. And I'm like, okay, I can <laughs> like Corey's a uh, Tori Tori's a sweetheart, but like yeah. I can't really You don't connect with that. That's not you. Yeah, that's that's not that's not my world necessarily. And um 
But dude, I appreciate the hell Absolutely, out of him. Absolutely. I appreciate bro. the hell out of him. And he you know, and now that I'm doing things that he recognizes, now that he knows what Spotify is, and he's like, Oh, and I'm telling him like, Hey Ken, I'm like I'm like number one on the viral chart right now, or I'm doing this. He's like, Oh, really? With your music? And I'm like, Yeah. yeah. He's like, Oh, okay. It's like, yo, Ken, I just scored a, a documentary for Pharrell. And he's like, Oh, okay. Let's get lunch soon. You know what I'm saying? And, and it's like, and he's trying to like, now he has other kids from friends and he, and other people who are staying at his house. And he's like, connect with Noah. Like, wow. You know what I'm saying? And that's how, that's how that is. And, and I'm, and I'm trying to like, you know, just keep that synergy going as, as, as much as I can. And, uh, it's, it's a trip. It's really a trip. And, um, with the music stuff, it really popped off in L.A. As much as I wanted to do scoring, kind of my artist thing happened before then, you know, because when I came, I did an equal amount of, like, trying to score short films or student films and really trying to be in that world. What was, your, what, what, what was that, that search like? What was that kind of experience like? You know, like, I guess... Looking back on it, just like what were the dots that were just placed that you look back yeah. on, and like oh shit, like yeah, this led to this, and then you know what I'm saying? Of course. Because <clears throat> what's beautiful to me is that Dylan, you know, said let's come out to L.A. You come out to L.A. You you were supposed to, you you saw L.A. a lot differently, like you, you, the way you imagined it was. Mm-hmm. The door opening, and <coughs> we heard about you. Shaka said, "This is your room here, yeah. and then she'll be back soon." And then yeah. you know, just be comfortable, baby. We good. Yeah. <laughs> you, you fucking went to a city motel back back to Pittsburgh, yeah. then back out to L.A., right? And now you know that it's your craft that you want to be pursuing. You not, and you also know that L.A. is where you need to be. <coughs> you get connected to a prominent figure in, in, in this world, even, even though it's not directly music, it's a figure that is in the know and a figure that is well-respected and, yeah. and, and is, is hobnobbing, if you will, for lack of me not being able to think of a better word quicker, with the likes of people that you really whether older or younger, like you, you admire and, and you, you know that it'll only be a matter of time before you know them, right? Mm. But also his whole thing is, is like, man the fuck up. Yeah. Like your music is cute almost, like good yeah, for you. absolutely. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and, and you're out, but you're out here hustling again, yeah. right? So my, my thought process here is when did the buckle down on the music start happening again. And the beauty of it is, is because you've been putting so much time in, but like now we're talking about a period where it was, this is within the last three years, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so like there was a switch, right? And when did it, when did it start? Naturally, it's just step, 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 step until crescendo. Well, the switch, well, well, first I want to say that, I, he, 
I was a bit taken back by how he reacted to my music. Yeah. Because I was making like all these like left beats and stuff. Yeah. And, um, but his, again, what we were saying earlier, where I took what I could from that situation. Mm -hmm. But when he gave feedback and I realized that he doesn't, his feedback is not, I want to say, not informed. Yes. Because I can show this music to somebody who's in my world and they'll freak out over it. Yeah. So I knew not to listen to them. Yeah. And it, I wasn't discouraged. But I was like, okay, he's a little older. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to still do this. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but that switch happened when I got fired from my day job. And Ken also introduced me to my very first production client. And uh, he basically... It was the first time I, I got an hourly rate for producing and engineering. Oh, it was nice. like I was building out my studio at home, and this and and and, and this artist Lock Lion, um, who I who I became very close with, was like, "Hey man, what do you charge?" Like he 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 really saw the talent, because he's also a business minded guy and an artist. Yeah, and he was just like, you know, in a way, was like. You know, not to pat myself on the back, but he was just like, this kid is amazing. Yeah. And I'm going to get the most out of him before everybody else knows. Mm. So he was just like, what if I pay you $10 an hour to produce my record? And I was like, that's fucking amazing. That's more than I make at the yeah. yoga. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm like making coffees for Valley Girls right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> and if my whole angle was like, if I can make what I make in retail, but make music, I'm good. Yeah, 100%. You know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> Yeah. And sh and 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 soon enough I realized, yo, I produce like 20 songs for this kid and I'm barely making rent. I'm going to need to up that to like 20 bucks. Mm. And he realized, okay, I got to give him 20 bucks. Yeah. And then he was like, what if, what if I bring you another client? I'm like, please. But that client, I told him like, listen, it's 30 bucks. Yeah. And then it it, it went on and then I'm working on my music. So I'm working paycheck to paycheck still, but I'm making music. I'm living off music. Yeah. And nobody knows who I am. But I realized, like, wait, there's a nine to five to this that I don't think people realize. I'm, like, independent. I'm working with, like, three artists a month, and I'm making my rent. Yeah. And this music is not viral or nothing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, which is when I realized that unsigned artists are way better source of quick money than working with sign artists because you're at the mercy of the label. Is this coming out? You get paid if it comes out yeah, or, you know, fees producer fees and, and wow, that whole thing or back end. And I realized yeah. how many unsigned artists are there in LA? 30,000? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then I was like, and that's when I got fired and I was like, what if I don't find a new job? What if I start networking what if I go to these events and tell people I'm a producer and then I offer to produce the record for $30 an hour? And it became like this small business thing that I did while I was putting out my music. And then and then South By happened with Mac. Like that was like around that time. And uh, it was around then that I wrote California Girls and a couple songs that later were more successful. But... At that time, I didn't know how to put out music myself. And it was really a blogger who uh, managed Dylan at the time. He drove the car to South By. 
And he always thought I was the band guy. He thought, oh, Noah's like the, the piano player in the band. Yeah. And one night we were hanging out. We were at Mac's crib. And he was just like, Dylan was like, yo, man, like, you should hear Noah's music. And he was like, wait, Noah makes music? Wow. And I was like, yeah, I got these beats, blah, blah, blah. And he's a, he's a hype machine blogger. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm playing him all this, like, James Blake sounding, like, yeah. the XX kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's it's like, ringing off, like, ding, and he's ding, like, ding, ding, ding. dude, have you said this to blogs? And I'm like, what blogs? Like, I don't have any emails. I don't know bloggers. And he's yeah. like, dude, this is Hype Machine. These are blogs. This is where you find their email. This is how you write them. Wow. You know what I'm saying? I was like, whoa. This is how you do it. Wild. Dude, he was like, he taught, he literally gave me a template. He was like, let me send you an email how you write bloggers because they're flaky and not flaky, but if you write too much, they're not going to read it. And if you sell yourself, they, they're going to be turned off, you know? So, just be like, hey, I'm Noah. I'm an artist originally from Germany, and this is my new single. Boom. And the next day, I had eight articles written about me. Bang. I was like, I was Mama. like, Mama. oh, and that was since like the musical thing yeah. was like a big success for me because I was like, wow, somebody sat down and wrote about what, what I did. That's insane. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This is this is this is gonna live for for you know, like for how long this like I, this platform exists. This is online. This is This is forever. Pub. Now, this is bro. forever, yeah. You know what I'm saying? And that was crazy. And the next release, I instead of sending ten emails, I sent forty emails. And then the next release I started sending hundred and fifty a day for a week. And I started to realize, oh, okay. You're sending these to blogs. I'm sending this to blogs, and I'm starting to like realize as many blogs as you can, yeah. as, as you can find. Just Still, I haven't trended on Hype Machine really. It was just more like because I didn't realize, I didn't specify those blogs, or like I would send it to all kinds of blogs. Yeah. But then by the time the fourth and fifth release, I was like, let me focus on only Hype Machine blogs. And but then you're also building relationships with some, I'm also some building I'm also yeah doing that whole thing and then I started doing I, I wrote California Girls sent it to a videographer I, I I felt it was time to shoot a video Yeah and that was the first song that was well, finished timing. It wasn't a song that I felt strongly about it was the song that was closest to being finished Wow So I sent it to the videographer and he was like that's hot let's shoot it I'm like, cool. Um, I mixed that song more than any other record. And it, I almost went insane in the process. Like trying to, <laughs> wow. I tried finding a snare drum for for two months. Uh, and yeah. and I, I took that guy. That's why I can't fuck with y'all like that. Took, this, took a song, took the song to Germany, played it for my dad, took his notes, remixed it, did half the vocals in Germany, came back, my mic broke. And it was just like, the worst. Uh, literally, the mic broke when I finished the last vocal part on it. Wow. <laughs> it broke like the next day. <laughs> Fuck. And, and then I was like, I don't even know if this song is good anymore. I was low-key a little embarrassed. I didn't thought it was my best work. I, I didn't think it was my best best work. It's getting late. Um, but I, I, was, I, was, I was so discouraged by not being able to tell if the song is good anymore yeah. that 
I only send it to like 20 blogs. I was like, all right, I'm I'm feeling lazy. I'm not trying to like get up early and send yeah. it. You. Because before I was just so hungry, I would get up at 6 a.m. to hit blogs in New York and just like, you know, write, you know, send out a bunch of emails. And with this one, I was like, well, I'll get them with the next song. All of a sudden, like all these blogs pick it up that I didn't email. And then another one and another one and another one. And now people on Twitter are hitting me up. And all of a sudden, I'm charting. And what the fuck was going through your mind? Because you, you I was just pure excitement. It was just, it was like the most excited I've been since then, <laughs> because it was so fresh and it was so, and you were so unexpected that it was. I, I can only imagine. This is like a glimpse of a glimpse of what Anderson Park has experienced last year, where it's like how you're feeling right now, it's not going to come back in that way. Yeah. Yeah. You might get bigger, but you get used to getting bigger. Yeah. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? So the successes I had after that, even if they were bigger successes, didn't feel like that. Yeah, you, you know felt what I'm like saying? You, you had like gotten over a hump almost. Yeah, like I got over go, a hump, like and, like now, and now it, it became like an expected thing. Yeah, yeah. You know? Because you got to that next level. Yeah, and but it was like, it was one of those things where I emailed everybody. I was like, yo, I'm charting right now, and, and, and then it went to number one. And now it was game over because now I'm getting 40 emails a day from A&Rs and everybody. And I have no idea, never talked to an A&R before, no idea who's real, who's not, yeah. who's an assistant. When you say who's, it was charted, it was Hype Machine? Hype Machine, yeah. yeah. But the week after, it charted on 22 tracks, which is the British version of yeah. it. Then it charted on Reddit because some dude posted it there. Super wow. rare. I could never plan that. Started on Reddit, wow. started to have sixty thousand listens a day. Oh shit! Then it started charting on Spotify. What's, I'm sorry. What song is this again? California. This California, California Girls. Girls. So there's still California Girls. Yeah, and uh, so uh, backtrack two weeks. The blogger friend who who taught me how to release the first song. Now California Girls is six songs later. He calls me up. He's like, "Hey man, I know this guy Wade. He works at Third Brain." They manage Galan, who you met a few years ago, and they're doing some great stuff. Would you like to meet him? I'm like, of course. Uh, I meet Wade. I go to the old office. It's a words by Wade. Words by Wade, man. I fucking, I loved every minute of it. Like, Wade was just like, yo, uh, let's get breakfast, you know? And and I, I realized, like, looking at him being like, yo, this dude is my age. You know what I'm saying? What why, what is he doing working at a label? Like, and he was, you know, he was just like, we were like into the same shit, you know? Yeah. And I, I saw the house. It wasn't like an office. You know, the house was like, it was a big fucking house with a pool and all these kids that work there managing artists. And I knew Zoo. I used to DJ Zoo's music. Wild. And I was like, those are the guys that work with Zoo. This is insane. You know, I seen like the plaques on the wall, but they're all young and hip and fucking. It's wild for me to think of this know? time that you were going through this and like that being like that initial period of David and getting Zoo and then this was Jake on board and then it becoming something. This was right before the sad face. Like they hadn't had the sad face mm, yet. Yeah. And they played me Steven and it was like, this is an artist. Shout out to Brando and the sad like, face. Yeah, they were... Um, yeah, actually, I think 
Way came up with the sad face. Really? Actually. I just want to get that for the record. I got you. But, uh, but I mean, not to take away. I no, mean, Brando's no, no. a fucking genius. He's a genius. But um, it was one of those things it's where... Wild and Zoo had Rob and like, bro, what the fuck? Yeah, it was really like, weird. These dudes are all killers, bro. Yeah. and, and think about it now. I, I remember for the first time... And 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 there's a theme I'm I'm sure you notice about uh, projecting things that come to life. Yeah. And I remember sitting on the couch, we're talking about books we like. You know, Brady tells me like you should check out this book, and I'm like, oh, you should check out this one. And like, and I'm thinking in my head, man, I want to be signed to this label. If I ever sign the label, I want to be this one. And didn't say it because I didn't want to give him a big head or anything. Yeah. Uh, and then I ended up having meetings with like Warner Brothers and Atlantic, all that whole thing. But uh, I'm signed to their label now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Wow. Two years later. But that day I was like, yo, this is so cool. And he was pretty quickly. He was just like, yo, you got to meet Jake. You got to meet Nathan at Halfway House. You should like do a session with Steven. And, and I'm hearing all these names for the first time. Mm. And back back two weeks later... I get a call from Wade. It's like 9 a.m. And he's like, hey, man, I just want to congratulate you. And I'm like, congratulate me on what? It's like, dude, you, you don't even know. And I'm like, nah. It's like, your song is number one on on on, the spot, on several Spotify viral charts. <laughs> like, I'm like, what? <laughs> what is the viral chart? And he's like, just look it up. And I look it up, like global, U.S., Canada, U.K. It's Fuck. like sitting on number one, you know what I'm saying? Yo. Like, and the green arrow going up. <laughs> For you know what I'm saying? Real. I'm like, we're about to like bust <laughs> yeah. the roof out here. And, and, and what's, okay, man. I'm going to just have, you know, I'm just saying like number two, three, four, and five were Wiz Khalifa and Charlie Puth, Rihanna, fucking all this other shit. Holy So fuck. like now the A&Rs are getting like nervous because now they're like we already reached out but Numbi's kind of like we don't know what his deal is you know I don't really know what's going on I don't have a manager I holy I'm just like taking meetings in my living room you know what I'm saying like like making that's so real though making yeah making A&R spaghetti and shit talking about yeah I just want to make music (laughs) and they're like what is happening where did our marketing budgets go like this is this is like who helps you who who who's your PR and I'm like I don't know I don't have no PR like I just send emails to blogs and fuck they were just like people still ask to this day like what did you do to promote this song and I'm like I didn't do nothing man I just like I just worked at it and just you know it was time for that song yeah. you know and that's incredible though and you can't make that up no Nah, dude. It was it was it was a really uh, natural moment, you know that that happened, and and yeah, soon enough, like I played my first show, super like small, like ten people in a room, but like all industry people, yeah. just like the worst room you want to play, yeah, shitty sound, yeah, not enough rehearsal time, but uh, Jake was one of them. Jake was like up front, right before the show. I was setting up. He came up to me. He's like, "Hey, man, I'm Jake Udell." Like you met my 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 uh, guy Wade. I'm like, okay, cool, nice to meet you. And I was like, yeah, I'm looking forward to the show. And that was it. After the show, everybody said their nice words, which were all lies because that show was awful. Yeah. <laughs> but Jake stayed for three hours, bought the whole band dinner, and pestered me with questions. What if you play Coachella next year? What if you did this? That song, man, that last song that you played. How would you see that as another arrangement? Do you see that on radio? I'm like. 
No, I don't know. I, what? No. And like Coachella, what are you talking about? I just played to 10 people at a, at a vinyl store. Like he's like, no, man, I don't think it's too soon, man. I think this is, this is, this is, this is amazing. I think this is, this is history. I'm like, who are you? Like he's yeah. just like, like constantly like yeah. for like three hours. I'm not kidding. Like everybody, everybody left. Like my friends are like the bands like, yo, we want to go home. And Jake is like going, going. And he's like, why don't you call me? That's his spirit, though, bro. Yeah. That's what, like, it, it's crazy to me because um, as close as I am to David and the whole Mind of a Genius side, like, I've had very limited interactions with Jake, but knowing his history and also knowing his being, mm. right, and having so many mutual friends outside of that Mo group yeah. um, that, that interact with him, it's like he is that enigma of a marketer and a manager, right? Because... What what I really respect about him is that he digs, bro. Like yeah. for for him, it's yeah. very, 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 very like I don't want to say scientific, but it's mathematical. It's like formulas it uh, is. being being discovered. You know what I'm saying? And efficiencies being broken out, and and kind of like theorems coming out of them, if you will. You know I'm saying like I, his mind works like in such a creative but tactical way. It does, but I will say this: he was the number one advocate at the company to sign me when people mm. were so busy that people didn't want to sign me. You know, like and and like n no shade. You know, like it's like a real thing. He's it's a winner though, because bro. no, he is. But he was he basically he broke it down to me like this: like man, everybody's advising me not to sign you which makes me want to do it even more because I had that feeling with Kalan. I had the same feeling with Zoo. People told me the same thing with Cruella. And it almost has become a thing of, uh, it's become a ritual that that's when I know I have to do it. And uh, it was just one of those times where he was just like, you know, they were the artists started taking off and just the staff, it was just like becoming tougher for him to, I guess, delegate day-to-day mm -hmm. -day activities and being yeah. like you know like wade is in full steam with galan you know like dan's doing a and r and and everybody's yeah. doing so much and then i had lunch with him or, or dinner and he was like you know what i'm gonna sign you i don't care what everybody thinks it's my company he's like i'll be your main like go to until we find somebody but i i just really i feel like we're really missing out if we don't do this and I was, um, yeah, I was just, I was just thrilled, man. I was thrilled to, because now the work starts, mm -hmm. and I was, I was excited and motivated to, to prove everybody that 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 I can I can do this, mm -hmm. and it was interesting because that day at the vinyl store, that was there was a year in between that where I had a different manager, that. I went with based on trust. I had known him for about four years at that point, just met Jake, so I wasn't sure if this is the right move. Yeah. But uh yeah, it had to happen the way it did and we ended up, you know, parting ways. This wasn't the right move. Yeah. Uh but you know And that happens. Of course. And yeah. I you know, and I yeah, and I don't I don't have any hard feelings for that because so much good music came came out of that year, yeah. and I did a small headlining tour, which which granted was too early for me to do that, but it it taught me a lot. 
Yeah. It taught me a lot about also delivering if if the odds are against you, you know what I'm saying? Like if everything fucks up, you can't fuck up. Right. Yeah, right. You know, that's that's really that's yeah. really what people are gonna take home. Yeah. And even if there were eight people in the room, I left people, you know, excited to meet me, wanting to be a part of it. Yeah. You know, and 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 that helped me a lot also when I went back to South by but playing you know, playing Nombe yeah. and, 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 and already being kind of accustomed to this. It's just like, I'm not here to like, you know, uh, be seen and be like, be comfortable. You know, I'm here to put on a show and the show is going to happen. And it doesn't matter if, 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 if nobody's in the room, you know what I'm saying? This show is scheduled and we're doing it. Yes. There's one person in the it's room who's playing man. our ass off. I'm overlooking a sea of people. There's two people. Like there were shows at South by where there were nine people. I'm looking up. I'm playing like there is thousands. Yeah, so and important. And you're like looking around like, what is, where is he Yo, looking? That's, that, that's, <laughs> that's so like, important. That's what's needed that though. so important. Abs- absolutely. Unreal. Yeah, you, ha- you have to do that. And that's and that's and that's the kind of thing that's what people look out for man that's the kind of what thing. do you think drove you to just maintain that mentality i mean have it let alone there's maintain just, there's, it. Just, there's just like no like i don't know there's just no there's nothing else there's no mm. other option you know like respect uh, i can't i, I can't that. even you know, I can't even really answer your question. Though. I mean, no, but you just did, dog. Like, yeah. you know, so let's be real with that. It's, it's I, just, I, I, I literally was like, ding. Bro, correct. I'm, 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 you know I'm mean? the kind of... When Bob Barker calls yeah. you down and tells you the price is right, yeah. like, yeah. you're good. Dude, I'm the kind of person where if it, if it doesn't feel right, bro, if it doesn't feel right, I can let things go. I never was upset if I lost... A game of Monopoly or something. Yeah. I never got upset if if I if I realized I lost a twenty dollar bill or some shit. But when I really want something, like everything becomes about that. You know, like I was having points. I was I, I, points at the gym where I'm doing bench presses, thinking I'm gonna I'm gonna be signed to this label. I'm gonna write this record. I'm going to mix it. I'm going to finish it. I'm going to put it out and it's going to be successful. And, and if, if I, if, and, and then I'm talking to myself, like I'm a coach and I'm like, do you really want this? Mm. If you want this, you know, you got to be ready for it. Do another one and another one. Like I'm, 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 I'm like doing the pushups. Like every pushup is, is it helps me make, get, get to my career path or get further my yeah. Path. yeah and it became like yeah just for a few months like last year it became like this obsession where i didn't know what was going on i just fired my management no label i scrapped an ep that i worked on tirelessly and you know jake called me up he's like listen man i know i wanted to sign you but now i'm not sure anymore like this ep doesn't feel like it's your best work and wow you've you know you made some you know i made some dodgy branding calls you know what I'm saying where it's just like it's just it gets tough you know like right in that transitional phase when you when you let go your manager and you don't know where is it going I I wrote my album in that phase Mm. 
I wrote most of the album. In chaos. In complete chaos. Mm. I wrote the album in about three weeks in after like in between finding my management and reaching out to Jake. <laughs> like when you're not even yeah, thinking yeah, straight. Yeah. I'm not thinking straight. All I it's, all like it's, it's literally like a gambler that just continues to get in debt because they're just doubling down on yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and the reason I, I I wrote the album is because Honest to God, Jake called me. He said he sent the EP to people, and people were just like unanimously not fucking with it. Wow. And it was, and I know what it was because it was, it was like some pimp a butterfly shit, but I can't come out with that. You yeah, know what right. I'm saying? It wasn't that it wasn't good, it yeah. was very he- heartfelt, Timing. it was very slow. Timing. Yeah, it was. What? What? What's? Because like to pimp a butterfly, war, it's crazy. Because I think about that album, it's a masterpiece to me, right? Of course. But yeah, at the same time, I'm not listening to that over and over again. Mm. Because because to me, to pimp a butterfly is truly top to bottom. Yeah, you listen to that. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. not picking apart fucking songs in that album wow. because they go top to bottom. Yeah, it's yeah. a story. It's an art piece. But Kendrick now can do that because he has their ears. Exactly. From a manager's perspective and also just like in an artist's perspective, it's like, okay, this is good music, but who the fuck is going to listen to you? You haven't, yeah. you haven't, you haven't, from a manager and a label's perspective, they're like, you don't have the attention to put this out. That's, that's what Jake said. He said, and, and he didn't say that it wasn't good. He was just like, this sounds like something you would do on your second or third album. Yeah. Mm. And that resonated with me. I got it. You know, mm. it wasn't like I was, I was a part of me was respect hurt by him that. For being honest. I respect though. him. It wasn't about him at all. It was literally about the truth that was in there. Yeah. So I was like, I was like, damn, I like gambled all this, this stuff on this album you know this artistic weird guitar record and uh you know it was it was interesting because i really didn't know where i was going i was really i really went in the studio cuz i was afraid and and the studio is my comfort zone so that is like 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 a womb you know what i'm saying like yeah. when i don't know what to do and i go in the studio because i i i know where everything's at i know my my instruments the 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 knobs and everything so i hid away i didn't go out i didn't really do much didn't talk to people and i wrote a song i wrote uh the song we're releasing when when people will be hearing this oh wow freak like me i wrote that song and then the next song fucking incredible and then the next song i wrote was young hearts and then the next song wrote, wrote was wait and I just kept writing. You went like, from desperation to determination. Absolutely. And the two are very interchangeable. Absolutely. Ooh. 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 Shimmy. It's, it's so true, though. It's really? so true. The real For real, though. Um, yeah, man. And then, and, then, and then after that, Jake got off the phone with me two weeks later. I sent him like eight records. They're all now on the album. And he's, like, and he's like, what the fuck is happening? I was like, what, do you, what is this? Where is this coming from? Why didn't you play me this? And I was like, dude, I didn't have it. Yeah. And he played it for the A and A. He played it for all of Third Brain. And I was like, wait, no one made this? Like, what's going on? Like, this is fire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And 
that opened up a whole nother thing where people started to be able to see it. I started to see it because I also cross into a realm that is more accessible. You think it's see it or you know? believe it? Because I think believe those are it. interchangeable too. Yeah. Because we all want to see it, but like believing it's different. True. True. I mean, it's like it's like it's like back in that day when like you're starting to get fit, you're boxing now, but you're still the fat kid inside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of course, of course. I mean, and that's a be- that's a beautiful apex, bro. Like from going from knowing that there's something there to in that moment where you're completely obliterated, and then you come back with relentless determination. Right, because it's always there, but for you being that person that also respects honest and objective uh, critique and criticism, yeah, man. you knew goddamn well like that the reasoning behind why it what why it wasn't digestible mm. and workable mm. from that perspective in that position was because of from where it came from. Yeah. I mean, I can show you the cover I did for that EP. Is yeah, man, that's, that's so true. Um, I mean, if, if people can't can't see it right now, but I got, I feel like I got to show you guys. I respect uh, that because I was, you know, it was just super. I was gonna call the EP Mood Indigo, and Blocks were already talking about it, and it was like this whole thing. Yeah, for sure, you're trapped in a uh, fucking where I did it on the wow photo shoot and stuff. Wow. That's I mean, lit, we might release the photo series, you know, because I was that was really cool. I had a kimono made, like it's custom tailored, and and it was like this whole yeah. He's playing underwater in like a filled up mason jar. Yeah, yeah. The most Caucasian yeah. description I've ever fucking heard. <laughs> what it is? Life. You dig? You're like a blogger <laughs> from 2017 where they're like, oh, that's what they wrote. Let me copy paste that. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, there's a. <laughs> A man with a kimono on and a guitar in a Underwater mason jar. in a mason jar. That was my dad's idea, by the way. That's lit. That's a lit idea. But you know bro. what's crazy is like mm. I think one <laughs> of the through lines <laughs> is that your it, yeah. it goes back to that conversation we had about critique and criticism yeah. and how you take it because this could have been a moment where you could have just continued to like spiral, le- spiral down. Mm. Um, and that often happens once people have that opportunity at first or see the, or get their first taste of success mm. and end up like desperate, desperately chasing that. And then it, that desperation gets hit with like, quote unquote, negative criticism. And then they're just like, oh, shit. So they're st- still scrambling. It's they get implosion. disappointed and they start imploding. That happens so much. And you oh, and that, th- those are so the moments you lose yourself. Mm. But for you to take that criticism and, you know, turn that desperation into the ter- determination and yeah. be relentless and refocus and then make the real records that, that you know you were inside you that you, you could have made. I mean, yeah, absolutely. And the title it's, of the record now, bro. Yo, guess where that's from? They might have even loved me. Um when I first moved to LA, I would still do like acting auditions from time to time. It was just like my dad was like, "Hey, you're there. Just like sign up to one of those like LA casting and just yeah. do something. You might catch a commercial every now and then, pay your bills." And yeah. Like, All right. Um, and uh, 
my girl Grace was was at home, and I was coming back from an audition. It was one of those auditions where you know they don't really give you a hint whether you got the part or not. It's yeah. always just like, wow, that was so good. Where are you from? Blah blah blah. <laughs> yeah. you never and hear from it's like, is that yeah, exactly? Is that fake? Is that real? Well, it could be real. Yeah, maybe they're being super fake, you know, or, or nice, whatever. So I walk in the door, and she's like, "How did your audition go?" And I pause. I'm like you know what? They might've even loved me. And when I said that, I was taken back about how weird that phrase was. <laughs> I was like, wait, yeah, let me write that down. Yeah. And then I had that sentence for like two years. Holy just shit. Just like on my like notes on like my, my MacBook or whatever. And when the album started becoming something, Jake was like, listen to it. He was like, hey, you know, every song is about a different woman. Or, or or relationship, sex, whatever. And should we call this album Orgasm? And I was like, no, Jake. We're not going <laughs> to call this album Orgasm. But I'll think of something. <laughs> you literally said that. And Anoush is like freaking out. He's like running away. But like, you know... <laughs> But I was, yeah, orgasm or sex or something. And I was just like, nah, <laughs> man, <laughs> let me think about it. And, and then the might have even loved me. I was like, this is the title. This has got to be it. And then for a few months people were just like yeah it's tentative and we're not sure and i was like this is the title yeah you know y'all need to y'all need to wake the fuck up this is the title yeah because like all these things i'm having like even realizations about girls that wanted to go further with me and i didn't allow Mm -hmm. that to happen Mm -hmm. i was just like closed off or or even the girl that ended up cheating on me where well, we did have great times together. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you forget that in a moment where you're, you're in pain, but yes. like, or even me having like struggles, like fighting with my mom or my grandmother. And, mm-hmm. and it's just like looking back and it's like, yo, they, they did, they really loved me. All of them. You know There's a fucking gorgeous through line and, with that, with just with that concept. Mm. You know what I'm saying? And it's just so authentic to you, bro. Mm. You know what I mean? Even though an orgasm is all authentic to us. Shout out to Jake. I love you for that, bro. I literally going to go to sleep just thinking of you might have even loved that orgasm. Damn. Yeah. I mean, that would have been like <laughs> that would have changed the whole Yo. Yeah. There's no way Spotify would have bought it. No way. Like, yeah. No way they would have been like, yeah, this is No like, way. Uh, we would have re- resurrected like somehow stomping on digital fucking music. <laughs> no, but that's it, it, it's absolutely brilliant. Um, so funny. And it's beautiful to see. I mean, look, like my biggest thing with you, bro, is that you have such a pure soul. And it, it really Thank resonates you. with me being that whatever life has brought into you, Uh, Whatever life has given to you, whether it's positive or negative, you've always managed, whether knowingly or not, to really ingest it. Because to me, what I really feel like makes a great artist is is the best artists 
in this world are extremely emotional anthropologists to me. Like those that are not only seeing and observing a community, but those that are also feeling for that community also. You know what I'm saying? Even in times where there's not a fucking thing they can do about it, except bring a voice to it, right? Yeah. And then that alone doesn't beget success as an artist. To me, what the elixir really is, is when said person is able to be at one with themselves to the point in which what they have experienced, whether it's first album, which is their whole life up until that drop, or second, third, fourth, is the ability to be at one with, whether or not permanently, but at one with who their creative entity is and are able to digest what, we, what they experience and put it, give voice to it from an authentic space. Right, and I really feel like everything that you've gone through is has, is leading up to this moment, and everything that this moment will bring is only going to catapult um, where how you're going to become and grow. Yeah, and I'm very fucking excited for you, bro. Oh, dude. Thank like you. Beyond beyond words description. Yeah, you know, man. I literally want to call your mom right now and tell her, Mama, we made it. Uh, I'll bring her over. We'll, we'll cook. You know, I would she'll love make that. like saltfish. I would love, bro, oh, te- yeah, tell yeah. me yeah. what I need. To, look, I'll get the ingredients yeah. and, and we'll, we'll thug it out. Oh, bro, let's I would, do it. I, it would be an honor. Seriously. I, um, yeah, man, of, of course. I, 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 you know, I, I appreciate just just meeting meeting you guys. That's yeah. just yeah, you know that's that's a beautiful thing. You open up your doors, and it's always um, you know I I was parallel with like uh, Dragon Ball Z. You guys remember that anime? Mm-hmm. I was obsessed with that growing up. And like how the Super Saiyan gets stronger is if he's close to the closer to dying, and that's when his body like like evolves and becomes like more powerful. Wow! And then he carries that for the rest of his life. So like, there's literally scenes where people. At one point, they almost try to kill themselves just so they can have the strength for a battle that Holy happens shit. later down the line, and that—that's how we grow. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's the only way. That is really the only way. And 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 you know, once you meet my mom, you see that as well. She's like the Absolutely. strongest woman I ever I met. I see it, bro. And she was, once, once yeah. I meet your mom, I'll just understand it better. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. See, Shout out to your moms, bro. Amazing. That's queen. Yeah. Shout uh, out to your pops. That's king. Mm, like yeah. you were raised by a king and a queen, <laughs> yeah, bro. Absolutely. And the kingdom. Absolutely. And the fucking kingdom. Absolutely. You know what I mean, and you met uh, Shaka's sister along the way, who Taka slammed boom. the door in your face. Taka boom. Taka boom. She's amazing. Yo, I, I, yo, no, off top. That was literally <laughs> comedic reference. You know what I'm saying? But it's so <laughs> it's so beautiful to see. Like it's crazy how much life you've lived and then along the way how much was intertwined in that life yeah. like who yeah. your parents knew and who your immediate and 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 non-immediate family was and became right mm. all of these different people how the timing in your life whether it be just an action whether it be your best friend stepping on mm. a fucking flyer 
Yeah. And having it stick to the point where what if he just kicked it off? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Of course. These are moments. And to, to California girls exploding. And yeah. you have the whole industry on standby, and you're like, what? you're literally in flip flops, probably cooking spaghetti, mm-hmm. being like, bro, I just love music, baby. Like, the, <laughs> do you want Parmesan cheese? You Yo. know what I'm saying? <laughs> it's fucking gorgeous. It's so real. I mean, like I said, we wouldn't be here today if it wasn't for that flyer. Insane. Yeah, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, he could have also just gone and not told me and just been like, yeah, yeah. I went to this audition. It was nothing special. And that you know? overconfidence that your friend had, too. Yeah. You up there. Life and, happens, bro. Yeah, it makes you think about all the things that don't happen. Mm. Yeah. You know, where people are just like, what ifs? You know? <laughs> that's, that's really scary. Yeah. You know? It's a beautiful thing, bro. You know yeah. what I'm saying? For right now, since mama made it home, I'm just going to have to yell and try and let her hear it. You ready, Roushi? I'm ready, Nushi. Mama, we made it! <laughs> Bang. <laughs>